Hey, deserving listeners. So a lot of you have been wanting us to continue our Dungeons and Dragons therapy session podcast episodes. And the two Adams have been busy on a lot of different things. And we have finally been able to schedule it, but then the coronavirus happened. And so instead of meeting in purpose and infecting each other with our cooties, or at least with Umberto's cooties, we have decided (laughs) to do this over Zoom. And so here we are in our respective offices or homes doing Dungeons and Dragons, proving the fact that you can play Dungeons and Dragons not in person. Um, Now, uh, this is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Hanna. I'm a therapist and a professor. Who are you, Umberto? My name is Umberto Castaneda, and I pray, play, pray, I pray, Grollo the Cruel. Adams, please introduce yourselves and talk about Game to Grow for a second. Uh, my name is Adam Davis. I'm one of the executive directors of Game to Grow, also a founder of Game to Grow. Uh, Game to Grow, for those of you that don't know, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization uh, based in the greater Seattle area that uses games of all kinds, but especially Dungeons and Dragons and therapeutic social skills groups for kids. We see over 80 kids a week. Uh, in our therapeutic social skills groups. And while a diagnosis is not required, a lot of our players struggle with challenges related to autism, ADHD, anxiety, or depression. And we've actually, in the midst of COVID, transitioned all of our groups online. So I'm very familiar with playing uh, Zoom D&D games now. We actually have a fundraiser going right now to support our transition into online D&D play. Uh, You can find more about that at gametogrowonline.cosvox.com. Sweet. Uh, my name is Adam Johns. I'm the other executive director and founder of Game to Grow. Um, I don't have much to add. You did such a good job on that pitch about Game to Grow. I'm the game master of this um, of this musical interlude that you guys are listening to uh, with our our lead. All, all lead guitarists. Everybody here is a lead guitarist of all the adventurers in this group. <laughs> So we need to recap what happened in the previous 10 or so sessions that we had. And, uh, right, isn't that what we need to do here, Adam Johns? Yeah. We yeah. Want to do first? Uh, am, I, am I recapping it? <laughs> I could. I actually really like when you do the recaps, Kurt. I mean, I'll give it my shot. Yeah, if, you're, if you're up to it. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't spent any time thinking about it, so... So we, uh, Grollo the Cruel, who is played by Umbera, who is a tall half-orc, a barbarian um, on the below-than-average intelligence spectrum, but above-average heart. Only in real life, though. Um, and I am Thrain um, Oaken, or Orkshorn, who is a dwarf cleric of Moradin, who is, uh, you know, pious and morally attempting to be good and then we have shush the tiefling bard who is uh of demon or devil uh ancestry uh, so you know maybe his great 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 grandmother was a devil of some sort and but he looks mostly human and he's a bard which means he plays music for magic and also to entertain people and he has aspirations of um, gaining an audience and being liked by people. And uh, the three of us met up and were trying to save the world by going to this one town where 
up is down and down is up, meaning that everyone is worshiping the orc god, which is the evil god, and everyone hates the dwarf god, which is one of the good gods. And so we discovered in all of our sleuthing that outside of this town is a massive orc army of all the different orc tribes that have banded together in this very weird way because orc tribes usually hate each other. And at the center of all this is the avatar of Grumsh, who is the god of the orcs. And the avatar of Grumsh is, his name is, uh, what's his name again? Lord Blancmere. Lord Blancmere, who is a hoity-toity archaeologist or sage of some kind. And he, uh, the god of orcs, the evil god of orcs, has, you know, got himself into the body of Lord Blancmere. And Lord Blancmere is the one pulling all the strings and he's getting all the orc armies together and he's trying to engineer a way for Grumpsh to actually emerge directly onto our plane you know like Zeus actually like walking around on the planet which isn't allowed by uh, you know this the rules of the universe that we're in and so uh, Grumpsh if he is able to walk the earth or Toril or wherever we are then he would be able to uh, enact all of his evil deeds of destruction and evilness and death and rule and Won't submission. Be good. And um, we discovered the three of us, the and our other friend Nicholas, the uh, the orc army. We were captured, and we got away miraculously. Um, and now we're wandering the wilderness trying to find our way back to the city or wherever we're going. And we're worried about the end of the world. Oh, no. And then we went, uh, we traveled along a river and we came upon these other half orcs. Orcs or half orcs. And it turns out, uh, and they were, uh, turns out we befriended them and they were actually kind of allies because we both had the same enemy of all of the orc army conglomeration and so we were like yeah we both hate those you know they're like we didn't want to join the big orc uh conglomeration because we're free or i don't know whatever turns out one of them wasn't was umberto's character grolo his father and there was a very you know emotional reunion where they almost tried to kill each other and they are going to bring us or guide us along our way or something. Adam Johns will be able to clear that up. And I am heading, I got a, a vision from my God of my hammer. It looks just like this. Um, that is in the mountains. And it has special properties that I believe will be able to thwart and smite the Grumpsh avatar and bring an end to the evil uprising of all the orcs. And so perhaps the orcs are gonna help us to the mountain uh, lair where my special god hammer resides. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't even have a hammer right now because my, my hammer died. I just have like a, like a club or something. Um, so anything more to add to that, Johns? Um, only that, uh, um, that uh, 
Grolo uh, was was sort of trying to decide whether or not he wanted to really find out the story of what happened with his father. Um, and I believe we ended the last, the very end of the last session with with there's a moment where where Grolo and his father were going to walk off and and his father was going to explain the story. Mm. Um, and so we can kind of pick up from there and, and decide if that's still what Grolo was. <laughs> it's, been, it's been some time, so we can we figure out, yeah. uh, can we jump right back into that or do we need to create some space uh, um, where Grolo's not ready to hear that story yet? Well, it could be like, you know how at the beginning of, uh, of new seasons of shows, uh, even though they might have left things in a, in a cliffhanger on some aspects, like they might start you in a different context for a little bit, and then they go back to like this other thing. Not always, but because um, maybe we can like do that so we can reacclimate and then bam. So what um, were you going to tell me the other, you know? Uh, I think that's a good idea. I also, I also think, so normally we start off, and usually we do this before the recap, but I think the recap was really good to get us all back in the mindset um, with a little bit of a check-in. Uh, and I think that's maybe a good idea to help get kind of the ball rolling again and help us get back into the swing of, of doing this. So I have a check-in question for, for you guys, uh, for all of you to answer, and then for your, you to answer as your character as well. Um, and this one's a little more lighthearted. It is, what is a piece of poetry or music that evokes an emotional reaction from you. So sometimes when you listen to music or you listen to poetry, um, uh, you, you have an emotional reaction. We actually have a term for this that we use at Game to Grow, um, often applied to stories, um, which we call narrative transference. Um, and Kirk, you're, you're familiar. I think we might've even talked about this a little bit on the, on the D&D podcast before, but transference is this idea of the projection of your thoughts, feelings, and desires onto, onto something else, right? Um, oftentimes you're, you're therapists, you, you project some, some uh, aspect of what, what's going on onto your therapist, like as if they are your father or your, or a, a, a parent figure or an authority figure, something along those lines. Um, narrative transference is the, um, uh, projection of those thoughts, feelings, and desires, but from a story or character perspective. So anytime you watch a Pixar film and you cry in the Pixar film, uh, that's actually a, a, an experience of narrative transference that's speaking to you on an emotional level for, for something that's happening in the film. And there's lots of stuff that we as humans experience um, uh, naturally. You know, death and loss are, are part of the human experience. So when those things happen in Pixar films, everybody cries at the beginning of Up. Um, and that's because it's got this, this uh, story that really links back to, to what people experience. So what I'm looking for in this case is a piece of poetry or music that has some kind of emotional reaction. That might be excitement or, or might be sadness or could be any of those things. Who would like to go first? Uh, um, so personally, okay, so if I understood it right, like a piece of music, for example, that I really strongly emotionally react to. Sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, there, there's too many music pieces that I emotionally react to, but if I could hang on to one specific one, there is a piece by uh, Bach that was called, it, it was like a musical offering that he did to uh, the, I think the Austrian King uh, or whatever, the emperor, but it was this uh, set of, of fugues and cannons that were set to um, a theme that the, that the emperor played. And it was, it was a ridiculously difficult theme because it was using every single one of the 12 notes 
And so it sounds like a melody, but it's a really hard, hard melody. And he improvised all these pieces of music. So when I hear the three-part fugue of that series, it's, it's got all these memories for me because it's when I started college and it's me reading a book called The Golden Braid, uh, Golden Escher Bach. Like it was like this really interesting book. And it was me starting like as an adult, you know, basically like living not in home. And, and that was that piece of music because I discovered it at the time. And I started getting into music theory. Like, so there's a lot of connections for me. So anytime I hear it, and it's of course not very common, so I don't hear it very frequently, but every now and then, like one time I was at a movie theater and they were playing that before the movie started. Couldn't believe it. And I was like, what? Um, so that's for me personally. And in the case of, of your character, in the case of Grillo, you can just make something up here. There's an opportunity here to, to, for Grillo. Oh, I was definitely going to go that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can build on our world, essentially. Uh, Grillo, <clears throat> uh, when I hear a war cry in the morning, it really makes me live. It reminds me of all those times where I cried for war also in the morning. And it also made me live. I love war cries. Grillo, I have to ask, is uh-huh. war cry like a yell or is it like a sobbing cry for Grillo? <laughs> I'm curious. Oh, but yeah. It's, it's a very sad sobbing cry like this. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Apparently is, your, um, your microphone has some sort of kill switch when things get really loud because we didn't hear it. It, it just completely died <laughs> on volume. Okay. The, the throttled version would have been. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Very sad. It's very sad. It's about death and more. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you, girl. <laughs> uh, who wants to go next? I'll go. Uh, Public Enemy, Bring the Noise, makes me angry. And for my character, Moradin, he would have said, originally, it was the stone sacred tablets of Moradin and the poetry that uh, none of you would understand because it's in an ancient form of, of dwarf language. And you're frankly not worthy of hearing it. But his new, my new um, song that inspires me is the song that uh, we sang on stage under the band name Moradin with the uh, thunder wave and exploding yes. uh, fireworks that knocked everyone to the ground and gave us a chance to scan the crowd for any grumpshites. That song. Uh, that was epic. Uh, gets the blood boiling aren't the lyrics to that song literally like the ritual to sacrifice people to grumsh yes <laughs> true rock and roll <laughs> this is true this is very <laughs> hardcore death metal um sweet <laughs> i love it we i at some point we're gonna have to come up with a name to this song uh so we can reference back to it Do you guys have a name in mind well it'd be an orcish right oh yeah I'll look up Orcish language while Davis goes. But it was something like, it was like, uh, I mean, maybe it should mean like, mean like death to Grumsh, but like sort of maybe a double entendre or something. Because <laughs> we were sure. trying to be sneaky about it. 
Yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, Adam, why don't you why don't you chime in with your with for your me? I'm going to switch it up and go poetry. Um, when I was a kid, um, my dad really liked um, reading me the 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 poem "If" by Rudyard Kipling. Um, but that's actually not the poem that I'm going to talk about. Um, it was the the book that I had when I was a kid, when I was like six. It was a book of like 101 poems, and it was this like really tiny leather bound book that my dad had when he was a kid. And I would flip through it sometimes. And there was a poem I really liked in there called How Did You Die by Edmund Vance Cook. And it's got a really simple sort of A-B rhyme scheme. And it's all about um, not going down without a fight. And it's a really cool poem because it's, it's like really simple, really good for like a kid's sense for poetry. Like a, a kid needs to know that, you know, simple rhyme schemes are great. I was a child of Dr. Seuss, you know. Um, but in this case, it's a poem about... Um, getting knocked down and getting back up again, which I thought was a really cool um, motivational thing for me as a kid. Is it called Chumbawamba? <laughs> oh, that's uh, about getting back up again. Nothing yeah. ever going to get me down. <laughs> speaking of speaking of rock and roll, Berta. Really bring it back. Really bring it in. It's perfect. Um, <laughs> so that's for me. For Shush, um, his favorite song, and the song that really motivates him, is, is called uh, Kapale Ricky... Tetie, which tra- roughly translates to "Song of the Broken Stars," um, which is a uh, a song you know Shu really likes to, to to sit and play music and look at look at the the horizon, you know, and and think about the the twinkling stars and whether those stars are uh, are dying stars or fighting stars or whether they're lost and alone. This song in particular makes him uh, think about all of those all of life's questions. Can I ask, is this song that Shush enjoys, is it a well-known song or is it a not well-known song or is it a song Shush wrote? It's, he didn't write it. No, this is a song, you know, it's off their, their first album sure. before they were popular. So it's, it's if you know the band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's you, had to, you had to be there yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> before they sold out. Yeah. It wasn't their number one hit, but it was, no. yeah. <laughs> no, it's not a good song for the radio. Awesome. Um, well, I'll answer the, the question for myself as well. Um, there's a song by Cat Stevens called Father and Son. Uh, and the song is uh, two verses. And one verse is the father singing a verse all about how the son needs to like slow down and take stock of life. And the second verse is all about like the son is like, don't, you know, try to make me into you. I'm not you. I got to go live my own life. Um, and that's basically the song. Like there's no real like resolution. Eventually they like, sing their verses together at the same time. And my dad uh, knows how to play guitar. He kind of taught himself how to play guitar. And occasionally I'll go and sit with him and he and I will play guitar together and we'll sing that song. And dad will sing all the dad parts and I'll sing all the son parts. And it makes me cry every time, every single time that I, that I hear the song now, it makes me cry, but it always makes me think about playing that song with my dad. And it's such like a heartbreaking song to play together. And we play it in a sad way. Um, but the experience of playing it is very emotional and touching because it makes me feel like I'm with my, with my dad and playing that song. Uh, That's so a, touching. a lot of conflicted emotions that kind of come up along with that. Didn't the Flaming Lips get sued for their, their melody? The rendition that was very that? much like that song. Oh, oh I, I, I don't know. Yeah, they had a song in, in Yoshimi, uh, that album. Uh, I think it's the main song, actually. Da, 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 da. 
And it's very similar to the Cat Stevens one. I totally didn't know that. I'm going to have to go back and listen to, yeah. that, to that song as well. Um, I do like that album from Flaming Lips. Uh, awesome. Uh, Kirk, have you, did you figure out a, an Orcish name for your band song? Yeah, I remember this song. It was Kumash Damun, which translates into Taste the Blood. Uh, so in this case, you're actually like, it's almost like a threat to, to the group's worshippers. Yeah. As like the taste, taste the blood is the, is the well, threat. Was, like we're, we're going to bring it. Yeah. I was telling uh, 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 Grolo how to sing the song and then Grolo was putting it to a melody while Shush was playing his violin and doing his uh, pyrotechnics. Yeah. That was pretty amazing. Epic. Uh, Kumash Damu. Uh, awesome. Uh, so to catch us uh, up, I think um, uh, we're going to jump backwards just a little bit to the conversation that uh, Grolo is having with his dad. Or actually, I think we're going to say, Grolo, you don't end up having the conversation with, uh, with your dad, with your dad, um, Craig. Uh, instead, uh, the two of you just... Uh, sit. So what happened at the end of the last podcast was he said, I think it's time we, I tell you that story. And then he didn't say anything else. <laughs> he just sat. Ugh. Did I just uh, dream it? Um, and, and the two of you sat for, for a long time until uh, he finally said, like, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how to start. Um, and then he got up and walked away, which was extremely unsatisfying. Uh, uh, and so, Grolo, you're just sort of left with with nothing, no story, no no anything. Um, but you can you can tell that clearly he's struggling to tell you this story to to pull it all together, um, and maybe still thinking about it. Um, the three of you, along with your traveling companions, um, whose names I have written down because I had forgotten them, uh, uh, Alyssa Grimhammer. Uh, Lou Grimhammer War, uh, Washreth and of course um, Grillo's dad Craig uh, are all headed into the um, Grimhammer sort of tribe lands um, and these are plains They're, they are uh, wide open plains as you come out of the forest um, traveling into the, the Grimhammer tribe lands means that there's a sense of safety and I had mentioned this before uh, but just as a reminder Grolo, you, you're, you feel a similar sense of, of like uh, safety here like this is these are beautiful lands that you're that you're traveling through um, and there's no cities in sight there's no carts there's not even trade routes um, that you can see like trails or, or roads that are that are coming through this this is just uh, open uh, wild land that the Grimhammer tribe uh, hunt and and travel through um, and you can see that the the other Grimhammers are are very comfortable here they're, they're traveling through the, the lands here. They put away, you know, there's no hands-on weapons or anything like that. And they've even, like, like strapped any extra things that they might have been holding to their, to their backs. And they're um, just uh, smiling and taking in the, the sights and smells and sounds of what it is to be home again. Um, and after a short bit of travel, just a couple of hours of travel through these lands, eventually uh, you crest over a hill and you can see down below you um, a series of uh, um, uh, tents and and um, uh, dwellings, essentially, all clearly designed to be sort of nomadic um, and to to be moved along and 
and to be traveled along with. Um, and uh, um, Alyssa Grimhammer turns to uh, Grolo and, and Thrain, because she doesn't speak Orcish, uh, and gestures down and says, uh, welcome to the Grimhammer tribe. Um, and there are a lot of people here. There's a lot of orcs, really, um, that, are, that are around, that are, are uh, making themselves busy. It's in the late afternoon, uh, and they, you can see a lot of people, and the, the uh, people, you, yourselves and the people you're traveling with are spotted on the hill by the people down in the, in the um, uh, town, I guess. Uh, and there are people waving, and Alyssa and, and Lou and, and uh, uh, Washreth are all very excited to, to be sort of home and start walking their way down towards, uh, towards the town. Um, and it seems like... Something you, smells good! Uh, they are cooking lee pies uh, it is a familiar smell um uh to some extent it's one that you've you've smelled a lot in your childhood uh when you were training uh, uh under under the orc that taught you uh taught you how to fight um but it is one that you have not smelled this kind of lee pie since maybe cruddy now that's a smell i haven't smelled in a long time <laughs> And I um, say, this is definitely a smell I have not smelled in a long time. And I'm gripping. Do I have a club? Is what's my weapon? You're, it's the rem- remnants of your hammer. So okay. it's the hammer, except that it doesn't All have right. the top part, the top <laughs> metal part. Whole hammer. So, so I'm just, just like, the, I'm just like. <laughs> Stick, like white really. knuckling it, you know, uh, <laughs> and I'm I'm just holding on with all I with all I have, uh, unhappy and and like anxious. Um, Shush, are are you? Uh, do you want to add anything in? What is Shush doing in this in this moment? Uh, Shush is kind of apprehensive, watching all of that's about to go down. This is a strange time, so Shush is kind of looking around, kind of uh, still a little bit traumatized by being tied up and having to escape from that circus tent thing um as you make your way yeah it was was pretty traumatizing um and this is sort of familiar maybe to shush especially to to grolo and to thrain this seems like very different these these are orcs but they clearly like their their lifestyle their the way that they're living even just the the you know way in which they're walking around the town feel different than the war ready orcs that you were just in in camp with not too long ago uh, but hip, hip, hippie orcs. These are hippie orcs. Um, uh, they're they're one with the land and one with nature, and and clearly uh, more oriented at at uh, uh, maintaining their traditions than they are at like starting war, or raiding villages, or or things like that. Shush, I don't think you've had enough exposure to orcs to really to really get that. This still feels uneasy, um, and your unease is confirmed a little bit as you guys get closer to the town, because the orcs in the town look very suspiciously at the three of you. Um, but unlike the, uh, maybe you were expecting to, them to be angry, they look scared of you, uh, of the three of you. And Alyssa sort of steps forward, um, and she says, uh, "They they are guests." All in Orcish. Uh, and so, once again, Shush, you're, you're sort of still left out of a lot of this. It's all happening in Orcish. But you can see that there's a tension. Um, Alyssa and Lou and... Uh, uh, man, I keep forgetting her, her name. Washreth. Uh, are all there, uh, sort of standing next to you and clearly, like, taking a strong stance. Um, whereas the other orcs look terrified of you. And some of them, you, you uh, Thrain and Grolo, you can hear them whispering, like, like, they should leave. They put us in danger. Um, Okay. And 
uh, Alyssa steps forward and says, uh, they are our guests. Um, they have come and we will help them through our lands. Does Shush have well, any idea still- what's happening here? You can see the tension. You can see like, like so you're, you're like, like coming up against a wall of, of people. You're, I you're flexing look, your muscles. I want to look extra like Shush doesn't know, but these people look intimidated by them. This is, we're, we're pretty cool. We're, you know, we should you just, you know, own it a little bit. Yeah. Shush wants to puff up his chest. Yeah. Are we still wearing like the hoods? I can't remember. Our, From, our yeah, you're still wearing the tattered, the tattered tablecloth, tablecloths uh, for the band um, uh, Moradin uh, that are have have at this point between the swamp water and the stuff that you've been through are largely unrecognizable, um, but still sort of colorful and tattered and probably a fair amount of orc blood too. Yeah, uh, and mud <laughs> and and. Uh, swamp and like uh, wear and tear, yeah, all that stuff. You look worn out, that's for sure. Got it. I think um, Shush knows like three words in Orcish, and they're what was that? Taste the blood, or whatever the name of that song was. Oh no, she's gonna say that. <laughs> Taste the blood. <laughs> Taste the blood. Oh no, Taste the blood. no. <laughs> Wait, what was the thing what? that you used to do to me to uh, like? Oh yeah, oh, pull, so I start pulling over oh, here, here like Ow, 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 ow. Um Washreth also comes up next to you, um, Shush. And he if you remember, she has a little bit of a crush on you. Um and she like puts her hand over your mouth uh and like puts her hand to her lips to like indicate that you should be quiet. <laughs> all right, all right, um, all right. Uh, Alyssa says, like, um, we will welcome them, them into our lands. Uh, this one, and gestures to to you, uh, Grolo, uh, she says, um, is a son of the tribe. Uh, and you can see the tribe's people are, the, the Grimhammer tribe are not, not enjoying this. And then a voice speaks up from behind the rest of the crowd, um, an older voice, and speaks up in common. Finally, Shush, you understand somebody saying something. Um, and a, an older woman orc comes forward. Uh, and she she is actually using like a cane uh, to actually I guess a, a staff uh, to to walk forward uh, and hobble her way forward, and the other people sort of let her have the space. Um, and Grolo, you know this is uncommon, mostly because when orcs get too weak, they're usually killed. Um, somebody walking Thanks. with like a staff um, is usually an indication that either they're incredibly powerful with magic, or this is a different kind of tribe that doesn't kill their weak. Um, and she, she steps forward and she says, um, travelers coming through here. Uh, and she, she points at, at Alyssa and she says, um, you will vouch for them? And Alyssa, Alyssa stands up tall and she gestures to Craig uh, and says, um, his son, and then gestures to Grolo. Uh, and then she says, they have come. They are enemies of the, of the uh, Groom's tribes. And the old woman stares at you for a long time and then says, very well, an evening they shall have. Come, come, come on, uh, come on in. Uh, you can see the people are still hesitant, but obviously willing to listen to this elder. Um, uh, and she gestures for you to come forward. Uh, and she, the people kind of part ways for you to enter into the, into the town. Uh, but she stands her ground and she takes a really long, hard look at you. Um, uh, and she looks at you, Grolo, and she says, yeah, I can see, I can see the resemblance to Craig. 
You are his son? Yes, but uh, I have mixed feelings about this. And frankly, I think we're supposed to be still trying to fool someone or something. I, I can't quite remember. So, like, we're in this big adventure, and um, we can't trust a lot of people. And I'm not sure we can trust you people. And you probably shouldn't trust us people either. But, uh, yeah, I'm his son. Um, and she gestures with her, her stick and she pokes you in the chest kind of hard. Um, it's like right here, right in the middle of your sternum. Uh, and she says, you're still a child of Grumsh. What? Um, Why? She puts her, her staff down and she, she says, I can smell it on you. I've been around long enough. Um, I hate but, that guy. Well, he's been taken from you mostly. Uh, I can set you on the right path for that. It's true that I, I lost some of my rage. You will have to find it again if you are to be successful with your adventure, whatever it may be. Uh, it makes me angry to not be rage-filled. Uh, what a quandary. <laughs> what? I don't know, but yeah, it's weird. Um, and she gestures to, to Thrain and Shush, and she says, You are strange traveling companions. We are travelers of similar heart, but different colored skin. Um, and she says, Dwarf, where do you hail from? I hail from Featherdale of the Dalens. I and your am name? A, I am a follower of Moradin. And I am here, if you can help, travel to a mountain... A passageway where I will find the hammer of my god and I will eliminate the Grumpshites, uh, which I'm hearing you're against. Um, she kind of like laughs a little bit, but it's like really like raspy, like she's like, <laughs> and she starts coughing. Uh, and then she, she says, uh, You are a passionate dwarf, um, you seek out your people. Long lost, uh, but your people have slaughtered many of my own. And uh, yours, you are, mine. Uh, and she nods and she says, you are welcome here. We are not the people you seek. Uh, and We will not attack you. You are safe in, this, in these lands while we protect them. You know where the ancient lair is. I know the dwarves that once resided in the mountain. Um, they are, they are the dwarves. I have a name for them. Hold on. Um, they, they are the dwarves of the Balden tribe. Uh, and their uh, follies have led them to being wiped out long ago. But their stories remain. <sighs> if you are seeking that, that direction, we can help you get there. I cast... I told you, Thorin. I cast a coffee spell, and my wife brought a cup of coffee for me. Wow, that's a that's a handy spell. Now I want my familiar cat is now meowing. <laughs> uh, so sorry, what I was distracted. What did you say? Uh, she told you that the the tribe that you seek from the mountains is the called the Balden tribe. And I called you Thorn instead of Thrain. Sorry. <laughs> Thorn Copyright. is my father. Now I'm always a little distraught. <laughs> I have to text my wife to tell her to come get the cat. <laughs> cat. 
It's a real problem in the in the orc lands here. Cats just they're everywhere. Are these like cats or are these like saber tooth cats? <laughs> they're just domestic cats. They're just all over. It's like Hawaii. Okay. <laughs> they just they become they were domestic. Now they're feral again. People just can't get rid of them. It's them and chickens. <laughs> um, and then and then she gestures to Shush and she says, uh, "You look out of place more than anyone." I do in most places. Uh, she thinks on that for a moment. She goes, oh, that makes sense. Um, but he can play music really poorly. You should hear it. Uh, that doesn't sound good to listen to. No, it, it, it's, it's the local. We, we, say, we, we say things opposite. So he says, I'm poorly, but really, I'm really good. It's a. Right. It's an idiom. It uh, hurts my ears really poorly. We're kind of big in Pahiha. He's our lead <laughs> uh, violinist. I'm kind of a big deal. Um, she says, well, your music shall uh, be well welcome tonight. Tonight we welcome back our survivors from the, from the last uh, encounter with the, the Groomshites. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off. I feel like we're wasting time. There's very important stuff that we have to deal with right now. I smell lead pies. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, she laughs again and coughs, <laughs> and she says, "You're right. There are more important things to be getting to." Uh, and she gestures uh, for you to come and follow her. Uh, and she says, "We shall make sure that you are full of leap pies before the end of the night." Yes, finally. Um, and I actually don't have a name for this old woman, um, so I need uh, I need a name. Uh, Adam, would you give me a letter? Sure. I have a dice right here that I'm going to use to give us our first letter. It has It's a D30 with letters on it. It's a Z. Z. All right. Uh, Kirk, why don't you give me the next one? I'll roll a die, too. Two. That's a B. Whoa, ZB. Uh, I'm going to go Y with my mental dice. Um, I'm going to go R and add one myself. And then Adam, so far, this is our name. Zabir. Zabir. Do you want to leave it, leave it at that? I think Zabir is a good name. Yeah, I think it is. Zabir. Um, so, uh, Matron Zabir, which is what everybody seems to call her, um, uh, gets your names and welcomes you in. Uh, and you guys have a chance to really uh, relax and rest. Um, it's maybe the first time in a long time that you've been able to relax without uh, being worried about like someone coming and attacking you in the middle of the night or... Um, or being in, in immediate danger. And although there may be some tensions and some, uh, uh, I guess, some di- diplomacy to sort of work out, um, there's also a feeling that you're not really under any real threat. Um, and that's sort of how the evening goes for the most part. The rest of the afternoon, you're given lodgings, a place to stay for the night, uh, and uh, plenty of food and, and a, a an an opportunity to sort of celebrate with the rest um, because some of the orcs of their tribe were killed when they went went to go negotiate with the Groovesheits. And so they're celebrating the ones who who have successfully returned. Um, And they they share with you what they have and they talk with you uh, to answer any questions that you may have um, that they they might be able to answer. Um, Along those lines, a couple of things that, that will have a chance to role play out that kind of happened throughout the, this evening. Um, I would love to know if there's anything specific that you guys want to do. And this is, I think where we're going to role play out uh, 
um, Craig finally telling his story to to Grillo. Uh, but what else do you guys want to do in this in this evening, or questions that you might have for um, for Zabir? Well, we are all probably forced to participate in a traditional orcish dance. <laughs> yeah, I I totally think so. Of which I only know half the steps. Is it all the left ones? <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know what to do with your right foot. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one thing. <laughs> Are you? Do you feel like you're cheating on Cruddy? <laughs> um, am I going to meet anyone here? Maybe we'll meet other people here. Who knows? It's a big world out there. <laughs> Lots of fish in the sea. You realize yeah. you're traveling with a priest, right? I mean... Oh, geez. <laughs> hey, I'm not married to... Okay, the, the other thing, though, Thanks is... for the look of dedication. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing is, uh, so if there is going to be some sort of development with my father, um, I think I think of anything. Right now, I'm a little upset because I, I was really excited because I was going to hear something. You know, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Like, okay, fine. I guess I won't kill you, but, like, what? What's the deal? And then he, like, chickened out. So now I'm, like, kind of upset about this. And even though my tummy is right now taking precedent, maybe pretty soon I'm going to start getting upset again. Sweet. So do you think that encounter happens because Grillo goes and finds him? Yeah, I have a feeling that at some point, especially if we're going to be dancing, at some point, like, Grillo is going to, like, trip and get frustrated anyways and then go off and find him and confront him. Um, sweet. Um, there is a dance but the music's not very good. Um, Shush, you, you've heard lots of dances. You've seen lots, heard lots of music from, uh, from many different lands. You've never heard the song. It's a song that's you know, specific to this tribe. You've never heard it before. It's got a um, simple beat, though. But it's, but it's a really basic beat. It's basically Pretty straightforward. Like, like a drum beat, and uh, there's some orcish lyrics that, that go along with it. Um, but it doesn't have any middle. It's, it's, it's missing it's, a violin. It's missing. It's missing something to to really add in. Um, Only we so, had something like that. Um, <laughs> so the, there is a dance going on, but Shush, rather than dance, I suspect that you contribute to the dance in a different way. I fully intend to add to the dance with both my violin and also like a rhythmic uh, foot tapping. Um, awesome. So Are I can. Sorry, are there any um, violin spells that you can do that, like, could reveal anything that we're not seeing or something? Detect magic? <laughs> I oh, mean... Is that it? I could do detect magic. Um, Dep- depends on sort of what you're looking for. Is, yeah. are, are you, Umberto, looking for something? Yeah, if Grolo is looking for something, why don't you just ask him in character? Oh, I have okay. Zone of Truth, as we've no, talked about before. No, and I wasn't thinking person. that. I, I was sort of like stepping fourth wallish out of Grolo's position because I don't think Grolo is Grolo is right now like probably too focused on like figuring out what the hell's dad his dad is trying to tell him. Uh, but I was just wondering if Shush is, if Shush was feeling a little uneasy, if he was if he would like you know go down that path. But I I think um, Shush's primary motivation is to fit in and belong. And he sees an opportunity here to be recognized and included in a way that it may totally blow up in his face. Um, but secondary to joining in in the musical uh, extravaganza, he was going to try to like find the person who looked the most impressive eating leap pies and try to like eat as many leap pies as them. 
you know, like they're spicy. It's like, you know, kind of a nice badge of honor kind of thing. Maybe it's you that he would eat as many Levi's as, but that would be Shusha's, Shusha's trying to fit in. That's his, that's his primary character motivation most of the time. Awesome. Uh, so, so we'll, we'll, we'll we're going to basically like go through all of these things that you guys want to do in this, in this uh, evening with the, um, with the Grim Hammers. Uh, but uh, I wanted to get an idea for all of it. How about you, Thrain? What, what are you kind of picturing that your Thrain's evening looks like? I want to talk to Matron's de Beer for a bit. Um, okay. Oh, this reminds me. So you might have covered this when you were giving the recap and I missed it, but um, what happened to our companion, our, our friend, our buddy? Oh, we sent Nicholas. Him as Nicholas. A, we sent him as a decoy. Right. He, he had to go. As, oh, yeah. That was so tragic. So we're assuming he died in service of making the world a better place. Right. You have yet to hear any news about that in one way or another. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> there was, definitely was like a, a moment where he was, he was going to uh, go back to the city in order to warn them about the orc invasion. Maybe he'll return in white at the turn. There you go. That'll be the, that'll be the real reveal moment. <laughs> Riding on a white uh, dog. <laughs> uh, okay. Nicholas, the white. Grillo, Grillo and uh, Shush, you guys dig into some Lee Pies. And there definitely is like, there's an orc that's totally taller than Grillo. Uh, Grillo's pretty tall. Even, even compared to a lot of orcs, he's still, he's still a pretty tall guy. There's this guy that's, that's just massive. Uh, as a solid like uh, four to six inches taller than Grillo. Um, and he is just digging into some leap eyes. Um, uh, and, and I'm he, like, I'm probably trying to like, like still trying to like get my hands in there and try to like squeeze some leap eyes for myself and kind of like shoving a little bit. And then he like shoves me harder back. Um, yeah. As well as like, he's like seeing it as a challenge. Like you're eating leap leap eyes fast and he's eating fast. And he's like, he's eyeing you down and you too. Shush. Like you're jumping in on this, on this like leap eye eating contest that is now like, like appearing out of thin air. Uh, so I want both of you to make me constitution saving throws. Eleven. Wait, um so need, all your roll the D twenty, right? Added plus two. Or sorry, plus four. I can't you know the 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 thing you sent me I blow it, blow it up, but it's a little blurry. Are you saying it's plus four for me? Yeah. Okay. So it's 18. 18. Okay. Um, it goes on for a little while. Shush, these are very spicy. Uh, shush, you, you are fire resistant. You are um, like capable of handling a lot of spice. Um, but whoa, these, these are really doing it. But actually, the biggest problem for you is... There's just a lot of it. It's, each <laughs> pie is, is gigantic, and they're already like two pies in. You're eating like, I, an entire meat pie. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. I've, I've always pictured leap pies to be kind of like large empanadas, like sort of like a calzone. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm curious if Grolo, if Roberto, you could give me a description of what, what does leap pie look like? Is it like a, like a hand pie, like a calzone? Or, um, or like a yeah, pie? So, so uh, leap pie is basically uh, there's this thick bronzed dough on the outside, right? And it's folded on top of all the, the stuffings. 
and it's folded down and then the edges like an like a pie like one of those like mcdonald's pies the edges are kind of like folded upwards and in and then like little etchings made in on them and the etchings are usually pretty elaborate like surprisingly elaborate like you wouldn't think so but no they're they're like they almost look like runes in a way and then when you break into this thing again the crust is pretty thick and it's like doughy and a lot of times it's almost a little undercooked so like you bite into it and the outside's really crispy and golden but then the inside's kind of chewy um and then and then the inside is just like a mess it's like a jumble of like and it's like it immediately drips super juicy and like the juice burns your skin because it's like so spicy and um uh and then and then there's chunks and every now and then there's bones too and then the 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 orcs and Grolo love the bones because they like they break the bones, but like if you're not used to it, you can like kind of hurt a tooth and stuff like that. Um, yeah, perfect. That sounds a delicious. beautiful description. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, Shush, you're you're the bigger challenge that you're facing. You're you're keeping up with the heat. The bigger challenge you're facing is you kind of have to bow out just because they're eating so many pies. And you just cannot keep up with the quantity. It's just you're just you're full. I'm like five cannot, foot seven. This is yeah, too you just much. Can't, you just can't eat another bite. Grollo, on the other hand, you are you're keeping up. This bigger guy, you and him are like are like just chowing down, like facing like face to face with each face other, chowing face. down on on leaf eyes. two at a two at a time. You got one in each oh hand, and you're both you're both digging in. Uh, and and finally, you're both like slowing down. He's like working on his last one. Uh, and then he goes and he like reaches over to pick up another pie, like a, like a threatening move. Like I've still got one more in me. And then he reaches up to to do the other pie, and he just sort of leans back <laughs> onto like the ground, style. Ma- making it. you like full on victorious as you oh, like take the nice. last bite of your of your. Ah, that's what you get. And, and at this point, you've drawn point. like a like a crowd. There's a crowd of people <laughs> that that have like yeah. gathered around and are and are nodding. And you did notice they were kind of cheering for him. Oh. Uh, and when you win, <laughs> they don't, they, there's like a little bit of like a nodding, like, uh, all right, all right. Uh, but it's not like a cheer for you. It's, it's, it's more like a, all right, you've earned a little bit of respect here. Is there something I can drink? Some ale or something? Uh, they do. They do have, they have um, an ale, actually a brew that they make on their own. Uh, from, Move uh, aside. I need me some ale now. Uh, and, and somebody like like slams one on the table and slides it down uh, uh, the uh, log table that they have there. Oh, maybe too much now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now all- I got like a stomach full of these leaf pies, and I'm just filling up with like ale. I'm so like, I, I picture this very WWE style where the like you're like the, they're like walking around, like you're like the heel, and everyone's booing you. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's a perfect moment, and actually, all this leads into as the as the sun is sort of setting. Uh, they start to set up for um, for uh, dancing and and um, uh, 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 playing music, and this starts to lead into the the dancing uh, uh, portion of the evening uh, and the ceremony. They actually do a, a little bit of a ceremony where um, uh, Zabir uh, uh, blesses the the orcs that have returned from the from the thing and what she says in the, in the ceremony in Orkish is that she cleanses them of, of any uh, uh, guilt or responsibility that they have may have had to their teammates. They serve their life well. Um, and it's actually a really touching ceremony, but it's all in Orkish. 
Um, and there's several moments where she like pushes them uh, as like a part of the ceremony. And so if you're not familiar with Orcus, it just kind of looks a little violent. Like she's going like, you're great, push you. You're great, push you. <laughs> so think something bad's happening? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, how Shush would interpret that. Can I roll for it? Sure. Would this be insight? Uh, yeah, give me, give me an insight roll. I mean, either way, you're just going to show your muscles again, right? <laughs> I, well, it could be a mosh pit. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's rock and roll. I'm just going to start pushing you're, people, too. You're on the rock and roll side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just Moradin, baby. Uh, I got an eight, so it's not quite clear. Um, yeah. What's here. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with uh, you think it's the mosh pit thing, and you start shoving some other people. <laughs> All right. I like um, you look look around. I guess this is what we're doing now. Push you. Um unfortunately for shush the first person you push who's right next to you um is washrith right after she had been already blessed in the ceremony oh, no. <laughs> uh, and she takes that as a hint that um you need to dance together uh and so she she uh gives you a big shove back you push her and she's she like teeters a little bit and she shoves you and you like collapse to the ground uh, she's she's gigantic and very very muscular. <laughs> like skid along the ground. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but she she like smirks in your direction, Shush. Um, while this is going on, after the ceremony is sort of over and the drums start to pick up, and Shush, this is where you start to like hear the the rhythm in the ceremony. You're like, oh, all right, all right, there's some there's some music here. That's a language you speak. That's a universal language. Uh-huh. Um, and this is about when uh, Thrain, you you find a good moment to get Sabir alone. Uh, and to and to talk with her, um, and she's she's like sitting and kind of watching the the ceremony. You can kind of take a seat next to her. They have logs kind of put out for everybody to sit on. Um, okay, so I sit down next to her and I say, "Matron Zabir," and I'm clutching my the the heft of my just by my side. Matron Zabir, thank you for accepting us into your tribe and feeding us with your food and hospitality. Um, she sort of waves her hands and she says, in common, please, I could use the practice. Um, and then she says, and, and I'll, uh, she, she doesn't expect you to repeat it in common. <laughs> she, she sort of answers. Uh, but she says, um, make no mistake, uh, Thrain. Uh, you gave her your last name, right? It was... Uh, Orkshorn. Orkshorn. She says, make no mistake, Thrain Orkshorn, you are not a member of the tribe. Though it is a, a, a title I would love to bestow onto you, um, the people here are hesitant. You represent a great danger to our people. Orcs are seen as great threats to all the outside, outside people. And you being here makes people nervous. Well... Uh, they, as you know, I hope there's a much bigger threat than any kind of threat I can, uh, you know, bestow upon you guys. She nods and she says, yes, we're aware of Blancmere and, and Grumsh and their combination. Why aren't you with them? She says, long ago, my mother, um, was a follower of Lorleth. Uh, long, long after Lorleth had left Grimsh's sight, and she taught me the ways of Lorleth. And when I was expelled from from my tribe for our following, I wandered the lands along with my mother, and the two of us eventually came upon this group of of people. 
Um, and by then, my mother had passed, but uh, it found a new home here and a new belief, a group of people that were lost. Um, and I showed them a different path, a different way. Um, following Lorleth has brought uh, great peace and prosperity to these people, but has taken away their uh, fear and anger and hatred, for better and worse. I assume you have at least some memory or some interaction with the Grumpshites. When I faced them, it would help if I could split their ranks and fragment them back into their individual small petty tribes. Do you know how to do that? Grumpsh feeds on hatred. That is what really drives them. That's what gives Grumpsh his magic, his power, his hatred and anger. Um, you cannot fight hatred and anger with more hatred and anger. You just create more of the same. You fuel them as you fight them. If you want to split them apart, you will not be able to do it as, as a dwarf of yourself. Um, no, it would have to come from within them. And speaking from experience, I'm not sure that uh, any of them have enough left uh, to follow a new path. What do you mean? Grumpsh takes from you. As you give into your hatred or your anger, as you, as you use those powers to help you become more strong, it also takes from you. You, you drain yourself uh, and you become belonging to Grumpsh. Well, it's lucky your friend there didn't lose himself entirely when Grumpsh took his power away. Do you know, you seem to know a lot about this, which makes sense. Perhaps you and your people can do something about what's going on back there. Um, she waits for a long moment, not looking at you, but looking off into the, into the people who now are dancing and now are, are enjoying themselves with smiles on their faces. Uh, and she says, um, you ask a large question, Thrain uh, Orkshark. You ask to lead my people to war. You can lead us to war or you lead us to peace. I don't care, but this has got to end. That army has to come to an end. You know that. You will die. All these people will die. We will die. The town will die. This entire world will die if Grumpsh comes. And if you know how to do this, then you must do something. You know that. And she kind of closes her eyes and she says, war will come to our people, whether we like it or not. You are right about that. Um, you may be wise beyond your years. And this time she sort of gestures with her staff back at your, at your chest. And she says, we will rise to the cause. I don't think that we can strike down their forces the way that you want us to, but we have warriors and we have people who are skilled in battle. And when the time comes, if we can help break their ranks, we will stand beside you. That would be most welcome because we are but three um, and they are thousands. Um, and she, she sits and she says, um, you have had a heavy journey, Thrain. Uh, I wish to know of your journey so I can know how best to help you. Will you tell me your tale? Absolutely. Um, and here we'll kind of cut away. Okay. But the other question that I have for you is, um, are you honest 
about what the the tale that has happened, or do you purposefully leave anything out? No, uh, I'm honest. I trust that she's she would have killed us otherwise, I suppose. So, and this is the same god that um, uh, Cruddy follows, right? So there's there's not a lot that's really known about Lorleth because everybody associates all the orcs with following Groomsh or uh, or a number of other pretty pretty chaotic and pretty evil gods. Um, Lorleth was a was a person, um, and a lot of the tales of gods, um, as you know them, uh, uh, especially as Thrain knows them, are really about like they were always gods. Like Moradin was always a god. Uh, he was a dwarf, but but he was the god of the dwarves, and there was never really like a moment where he like ascended into godhood from his from you know being a regular old dwarf guy. Um, Lorleth is different. Lorleth is a person that that uh, built a following off of a new perspective. Um, and now is being worshipped as a god, but whether or not Lorleth has like followers that can cast magic, like like uh, uh, priests, like clerics can, uh, you've never seen anything like that. It almost seems like Lorleth is much more a like spiritual leader than she ever was like a god. Um, but um, based on the the interactions that you've had with Grolo about Cruddy um, and that you're seeing here, it does seem like Lorleth has set set a better path for a lot of orcs. These orcs don't seem dangerous to the people in the, in the outside world like many of the other ones that you've come across. So in my tale to her, I'm trying to get any information about where that mountain ancient city is because I need to get there. Um, and so as you, as you kind of bring your tale to a close, she nods and she says, um, we can bring you to the to the base of the of the mountain pass. If you're seeking Mount Acrea, um, I believe that the city that you spoke of is buried there, um, once belonging to to the uh, Balden tribe. And she keeps calling them tribe, but that's actually not what dwarves would call themselves. Uh, but that's just how she must uh, uh, view it, kind of thing. Uh, you would be a clan. Uh, and you're, uh, I'll say, Thrain, without even a role, you're familiar with the Baldwin uh, clan. They were wiped out maybe 100 years ago. Um, and nobody really knows why. They sort of, they sort of disappeared. They, they lived in the mountains. They're a mountain dwarf clan. Um, and they lived in the mountains, and then they all just sort of, sort of stopped showing up anywhere. Um, and there's still members of the, the Baldwin clan somewhere, but, but they're few and far between, and they're... Uh, their city or their town or whatever was basically lost to history. Um, uh, but they were all worshippers of Moradin. It's uh, one of the things that you definitely would, would remember from that is that they've, they were um, strong and devout worshippers of Moradin. Um, they've just sort of disappeared. Uh, she says, uh, I can help, you, help guide you to your path and maybe um, help you find a way into the mountain to try to find this, this hammer that you seek. Um, it seems that uh, some help from Moradin will be uh, necessary for your next leg of your journey, uh, especially if you're to battle groups. Uh, she she uh, taps her staff against your stick that you have, like, hanging from your belt, and she says, this won't do for you. No, um, I will not. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, she then uh, nods to... Uh, Thrain and uh, Grolo, who at this point we're gonna we're gonna cut back to uh, how this all dancing and music kind of comes together, and she goes, "You will need to look after them, Thrain. Uh, I I don't think that uh, um, Grolo will be as 
invulnerable until he can find his way again. How can he find his way? Do you know? Um, she nods and she says, I'll give him something to at least purge groups from himself. But she will need to, he will need to find a new way to fill that space. Something that's not hatred. Uh, something that's not fueled by Grimsh. Um, but it's possible. He can find that way again. Though his father never did. Well, perhaps the inner Lorleth in him is, has already been emerging. He's, he's quite the softy nowadays, actually. Um, falling in as love. You say that, as you say yeah. that, I'm falling over as I'm trying to dance. <laughs> And I'm like just like tipping over, and I'm burping really loudly because of all the like ale and <laughs> leaf pies I consumed. Um, it's it's perfect, <laughs> perfect imagery of Grillo like um, being kind of drunk. I'm guessing. <laughs> exactly. Um, she says, "Well, well, on his way then." <laughs> um. And now this one will cut back. So Shush and Grillo, Grillo, you're being invited to, to dance. You're being sort of pulled out. And Shush, you're hearing this, this rhythmic uh, and, and sort of chanting, and it's definitely missing this other, this other piece to really pull it together. By the way, there's uh, a very important thing about Grillo that I hadn't mentioned before. He is convinced he's a fantastic orcish dancer. Perfect. Just um, so is Shush, whatever it's worth. <laughs> Uh, Grolo, I'm going to have you roll a performance check with disadvantage. So you're going to roll yeah. twice and take the lower of the two rolls. Right, so I'm going to have you roll a performance check with advantage. Plus zero. All right. Plus seven and, on mine. And so... Um, Birdo, plus zero. Yeah, plus zero. But you wanted me to roll twice? Roll twice and take the lower of the two yeah. rolls. Okay, so 14 and... Whoa! No! No! One! One! Oh, my God. It's perfect. I got a 23, so... Wow. But this is, this is sort of perfect because, you know, I was... I was sarcastic, or, you know, Grolo believes he's the best dancer. <laughs> I, think, I think, Grolo, you 100% believe you're an amazing dancer. Um, and, and I'm sort of picturing that you're, like, you, like, have no real rhythm. You're, like, <laughs> you're like trying to dance, but you're, like, like, you're doing repetitive motions, but they really don't go to the music <laughs> at all, which is really the, the problem there. <laughs> I, I want to help, help a brother out right now, and I want to dance the way that Grolo is dancing in order to make him look cool. Oh, I love it. So like, you know, like I'll do the off rhythm dances with him to make I'll it that everybody's like, oh, this is the, it's the two steps to the left and no steps to the right dance. I'll give you, I'll give you one better. As you start to uh, play the music on your, on your violin along with the rhythm and the chanting that's going on, uh, very quickly you become the center. You know, there's there's uh, one person basically drumming and one person sort of chanting to keep the music going, and you become the center of the band uh, because your performance is uh, phenomenal. You're just filling in like perfectly the the middle, and eventually like like fills in the whole of the music, and it gives you the opportunity because you became become basically the lead of the band. But you see Grolo like like Elaine dancing. Uh, that's an old school <laughs> Seinfeld reference for you guys right yep. there. Uh, um, uh, in the center of the dance floor. And like I'm knocking um, into others and... Um, and what you do is you slow the music down. You like, like create a good stop and then like slow it down and then like start building it back up again. But this time 
in rhythm with Grolo's <laughs> dance. So you're yeah, basically I, like like giving him now everybody else is dancing wrong because they're all trying to dance to the previous rhythm <laughs> and Grolo's the only one dancing right. I um, imagine it's like dad dancing. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like a dad at a music festival. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but then I start it starts perpetuating the the myth in my head because I look around and I'm like this is really working <laughs> i gotta do more of this uh yeah and i think it just continues it's it's like an ever balancing game uh there's this very famous um uh musical uh i guess it's an opera it's about a woman who can't sing uh and everything she sings is off key oh, wow. um and the piano player who plays with her um uh plays and he has to keep adjusting the key uh, to try to keep up with her because she, she's so bad at, at singing. But she doesn't know, and everybody just sort of, like, goes along with it. Um, it's a really amazing musical. That is what I'm imagining here. It's just you have to keep, like, speeding up because Grolo keeps trying to match the rhythm of the music. So you just have to keep changing it to, like, match and, like, keep Grolo in the yeah. groove. I'm playing violin hero on expert. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's definitely and, the case. And I say... I like look over at Shush. Shush, you're, you're messing up, man. You're, you're <laughs> making me look bad here. <laughs> um, but the combination works out really, really well. And you can tell the the people here, they are loving it. I mean, they are really, really digging that you can jump in and play, play some music and keep them entertained. And just like uh, you were sort of predicting, Shush, this um, music transcends language. Um, and whatever hesitancy that some of these people may have had, they have none they they are absolutely like like you are a part of it um, while you're playing and this may be still some standoffish after it all ends but while this is all going on uh the two of you and all of the people of this tribe all feel like you are are part of one people um and it's a, an amazing moment an amazing experience for you to, to be there and to be experiencing that and that's about the time where uh, Grolo uh, trips on a log and falls over top of the fire and spills his beer on himself. Uh, uh, and I imagine that's sort of the point, Grolo, where you, you get frustrated. And, and... I, I walk over to Shush, frustrated, and I say, Ugh, did you hear how loudly they were cheering for me? But you messed it up, so I, I'm out of here. Um, and Grolo, you go storming off. Um, and uh, I imagine this is probably when you go looking for crank yeah i i think the way it's playing out is that at, at first i i've kind of forgotten about talking to my dad because i was just like in the moment and i was like wow thinking that they were cheering for me because i was such an amazing dancer and then uh so but so i'm just kind of like upset now because like i'm blaming shush because he like messed me up but as i'm doing that may, maybe i see my father like in the distance or something um like, yeah i think he's down. actually not dancing he's not with all the other the other orcs. I think he's he's like on the outskirts of the of the tents that are set up for the town, and he's uh, he's sort of uh, standing there by himself. And here you can see the moon uh, high, rising high in the sky and the stars. Um, and he's just out there, sort of looking at the fields and looking at the stars and the moon. Okay, so I think I I I like see him, and in my you know because I'm like inebriated and still upset at Shush, but then I see him and I'm like, that's right. That's another thing, you know, like I need to pick a bone with this guy. So yeah. then I just like walk up and I'm like, hey, hey, you, we didn't finish what we were doing. You uh, were about to tell me something very uh, uh, important 
and you didn't. And that makes me very upset because Shush messed up and now I'm, I was dancing really well. So you need to dance or tell me what you're telling me. Um, and he looks pretty surprised that you're there. Uh, and he goes, Oh, you're, you're drunk. Uh, you're drunk and you're, you're, you're uh, belligerent. Um, no, I, I'm not belligerent. Lir- I'm, I'm not drunk. Um, and it seems like he's, he's like trying to, trying to be angry with you. Um, and uh, Grolo, you think he's, he's maybe trying to get out of telling you this story. Uh, uh, and and is like turning things back around on you. I think you're just trying to not tell me this story. So like, look, fine. I admit I had one too many leap pies, but I really need to hear this. And I can't imagine a better time right now because everyone else is busy trying to copy my steps. And yeah, this is a perfect time to hear the story. Um, and he sighs and he's, he's got like a cloak pulled around him. Uh, and he kind of pulls, pulls it a little tighter. Uh, and he says, fine, it's what you deserve. Um, and maybe afterwards you, you'll understand better. And he tells you this story. He says... He once was part of the raids that came to many towns. Part of the the Grimhammer tribe was well known for their raids. Uh, They would come into town and leave just enough people alive that the the townspeople would be terrified of them. uh, Taking whatever they they thought they should take. I'm happy to burn down uh, houses and and, uh, whatever those humans and elves who think they're so much better than the orcs uh, hold on to and take it with them. You're talking uh, about my mother. Uh, uh, he says, uh, slow down. I'm still getting further into the story. Uh, sure. He says, and I was right there with them, happy to take whatever, whatever we could get our hands on. But there was a code. If you fell, you were weak, and they would leave you. And that's what happened to me. Um, nothing, nothing of my weakness. But a human got in a good strike, and I fell down a, down a large hill, and they left me there. And I would have come back, but there was a bear, and it came over top of me. Before I could get my weapon into my hand, the bear was upon me and tearing at me. Um, and he even, like, pulls open his shoulder, and he's got, he's got huge scars <sighs> down, down his shoulder. Uh, and he says, uh, the bear nearly had me. And I would have died there, except there was a flame and a torch, and someone came forward and scared the bear off. A terrible strategy, a weak strategy, rather than kill the bear. But when the light finally, when my eyes finally adjusted to the light, I saw that it was a young woman, a human woman. And she didn't leave me. Yeah, but get to the story of my mother. That's this was your this was your mother. I'm talking about your mother. Oh, I'm talking about Esther. That, I didn't know her name then, but she dragged me to her cottage from the very town we were raiding, and she nursed me back to health. She bandaged my wounds. She helped make sure that I wouldn't die. I had a terrible fever for three days, and she was there helping me the whole time. What a baby. Um, and he looks 
rather than get angry at the remark, he looks really sad in that moment. He kind of pulls himself back together and he says, I was a baby. I was weak, like babies are. Wait, you were a baby and you were fighting a bear? Metaphorically a baby. It wasn't actually, it was a full-grown orc male. Fully strong. Supernaturally a baby, okay. But in those moments, I couldn't even lift my arms, lift my weapon, defend myself. But she brought me back to health. And it was there that I fell in love with her. And Alyssa was nice. And she kept me hidden. The townspeople would have killed me after, after the raids that the Grimhammer tribe per, uh, performed on them. Especially in my weakened state. But we spent several weeks together. And they were the happiest days of my life. I didn't know what could be until I met her. Well, my mom was a fantastic person. And a good cook. Yes, she was. I taught her the recipe for lee pies. She could make what? them. As well you as anyone. You taught her the recipe? Oh, yes. Uh... And she loved them. Never seen a human take down lee pies the way she could. Yes. She really taught me how to eat them, too. I thought I would spend my life there. And she told me that she was with child. And we talked about running away. Who was child? would never accept us. She was pregnant. She had you. Oh, She was going to have a baby. You know how all that works. Didn't she explain it to you? Well, I have have broad strokes. Uh, Good. (laughs) I don't feel fit enough to explain it to you now. It's a metaphor. Uh, I think. (laughs) So anyways, so you became my father somehow, and then you left me. The Grimhammer tribe was well known for raiding the same village multiple times at that time. It was a good plan. You leave enough people alive, they regather their resources, you come back and take the resources. But I knew that they would come back. And when we heard tell when the townspeople uh, came to the door and told uh, Aster that the orcs were coming back and to barrier herself up in their cottage, I, I couldn't stand by. I went to meet them, to convince them, to go meet another town. This one is tapped out. And that's what I did. You lied to them. I lied to them, and I left Aster without her knowing. Oh. But when I left, the townspeople saw me. They knew that I was an orc. They knew that I was with the Grimhammer tribe. And I knew that if I didn't stay with the tribe then, I couldn't keep them from coming back. Destroying the town again, maybe going after Aster. So I stayed with them for a time. And any time they tried to steer their way back to to the town, I would encourage them, no, there's a wealthier one over here. There's there's another town. They've livestock. Wait, so you, you saved us in a way? Well, I steered them away from you. At least gave you a chance. Gave the town a chance to protect you. It was like a metaphor. I think you're using that word wrong. I don't think you know what that word means. Well, whatever it is, thank you. He says, it didn't last long. Before long, the tribe saw me as weak. 
They thought I didn't want to raid the town because I was afraid of it. And they were right. I had lost my hatred. I had lost my anger. I was getting injured in battles with humans. Battles I shouldn't have been injured in. And eventually the tribe left me behind. When I made it back, I thought, well, this is for the best. I'll come back. Aster and me and you, the young one, can run off. Be somewhere, just the three of us. When I returned, the tribe had already been there. And the building had been burned down. I don't really know what happened after that. I see. Took me years of wandering by myself before I was finally picked back up by the Grimhammer tribe. And by then, they had been converted. They had become something else. Um, They had apparently picked up Zabir, and she had convinced them of a new way. But I never knew what happened to Aster. I was sort of hoping you would know. Well, they... It wasn't pretty. I always blamed you. I thought it was you. I thought you killed her. To my knowledge, it was not me. Could have been members of the Grimhammer tribe before they turned over. I was too young. I was too little. I don't, I don't know. All I know is I didn't know the story, and I guess it's much better that I do now. He nods and he says, I will probably live out my days here. With the Grimhammer tribe. I don't belong anywhere else. And I've lost my rage and my power. This is fine for me. Oh, I've lost my rage too. Um, he smiles and he, and he, he uh, pokes you in the chest. Kind of the same spot that the, the old uh, Zabir was, was kind of poking you with the staff. And he says, um, I'll bet you can still find it again. Hey, stop poking me like that. I might just find it. <laughs> he, he laughs and he shoves you. Uh, and he's still strong. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, he's not as strong as you. He's older than you at this point. And, and uh, you're in a much fitter shape uh, than he is. Uh, but he, it's still a, a solid, powerful shrug. <laughs> uh, and he says, um, Zabir says that you should be, shall be escorted to the lands uh, headed north. To the mountains, I guess. Oh, I don't think we can do that because we got to go to some mountain to get some hammer or something. He says, yes, of course. You should do that instead. Um, I shall go with you, escort you to the edge of the lands. Okay. Um, he says, I'm sorry that I couldn't be there. You you just said you were going to escort us. No, I meant with Aster, with your mom. Oh, yes. Well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry you were not there either. I thank you for telling me the story. Um, your enemy here is not us. And he gestures to the Grimhammer tribe and he says, it is Grumsh who's led the orcs astray. That's who's really created this. I hate Grumsh. Um, Okay, well, then help us get the hammer so my friend, he can can use the hammer because his god said something to him and something like that. And and then I'm just going to find my anger or rage again, and we'll just 
beat that guy because ugh, I hate him. Now, yeah. I need some more ale at this point. <laughs> he, he slaps you on the shoulder and he says, I'll get you one. Uh, and he walks back with you to the, to the party um, sure. and gets you an ale. Um, and you have a chance to drink. He doesn't really bring anything else up the rest of the night, but his mood does seem to pick up. Um, it seems like it, it was helpful for him to get everything off of his chest. Um, and unless there's anything else that you guys want to do that evening, I think we'll sort of pull, pull it back together and, and uh, move on to the, next, to the next morning and your journey out of uh, the Grimhammer tribe lands. Um, you rest well. Uh, you, uh, Grolo, you're a little bit hungover uh, the next morning. Uh, but otherwise, um, you're awoken. And it looks like uh, Alyssa and Craig uh, will be escorting you out, out of the lands. Um, Thrain, uh, Zabir gives you uh, something. It's a, um, a piece of parchment, except that it has been dyed red um, and an envelope to go along with it. Um, uh, and she hands it to you and she says, uh, uh, the envelope has specific instructions written on the front of it. And she says, give this to any traveler. Um, the instructions will, will uh, allow them to leave it in a place where the tribe will find it. When you have instructions for where we need to be, we will be there um, to back you up in whatever the conflict is to come. Thank you. Will do. Um, and you suspect that the red dye and everything like that is more uh, to prove that it was you. There was not just some note left by someone else. This is a- I lean into, uh, I, I'm here, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I this is all, this is like the, the, everybody's sort of saying goodbye to you as you're like getting your packs. Uh, I lean into Thrain and as, as she, as he, she hands him the, the thing and I go, it's a metaphor. It is a metaphor. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as you guys, uh, uh, prepare your way, um, uh, headed out, you can tell there's some sadness from the, from the people in the town. They, they are, are going to miss having you around but also some eased tension uh, from not having you there. Um, And you make your way towards the northern end of town. On your way there, um, you pass by a a road. Uh, You you have a a good chance to travel. It's actually a couple of days journey uh, um, to get to the edges of the Grimhammer, like hunting grounds and and plains and everything like that. Um, and it brings you up pretty close to the base of the, the mountain pass. And there's basically like a, um, Zabir sort of explains this to you, Thrain. Uh, there's a mountain pass that will take you up into the mountains and it'll get cold. And she actually gives you some furs and some like heavy coats uh, for you to bring with you. Um, she says it'll get very cold. Uh, and then she, she gives you instructions on how to find this cave. There's apparently a cave entrance that will take you into the mountain uh, where you'll have a better chance of finding your uh, your your dwarves and your hammer hammer in there, um, and the the um, Grimhammer tribe lands go all the way basically up to the base of the mountain pass uh, and the the sort of foot of the mountain uh, before it starts to climb upwards into it. Um, and as you're making your way pretty close to the edges of the of the uh, mountain pass, you um, camp for the night, and it's basically your last night camping there. Um, and in the middle of the night, uh, Alyssa. Um, shoves you, Thrain, and kind of shoves each of you and tells you to wake up. Um, And she uh, gestures for you to follow her quietly. Um, And Craig is also there. He's he's awake. The two of them were sort of trading off watch. Um, And they they pull all of you forward um, and they motion because uh, right near the the, um, uh, campsite that you all were staying, 
uh, you can see that there is a full wagon troop of uh, humanoids. Um, and it looks like they're, they're, it's like a caravan, a traveling caravan. Um, and Alyssa turns down to you, uh, Thrain, and she says, um, uh, they've, they've traveled here in the middle of the night. Um, we don't want to show ourselves to them, uh, make them think that these are orc lands. Uh, we'll have to deal with more of, uh, more of your people coming our way and, and disrupting our way of life. We've no desire for that. Wait, these are, these are humans, you said, or what are they? Um, they look like humanoids. You can see them okay. uh, kind of partying, and they have like a big fire, and there's a bunch of caravans that are all circled around. Um, and you can see, actually, you can hear music, Shush, uh, coming from, uh, from the, the caravans that they have. Uh, and she says, um, it would be better for you. Um, go and, and introduce the, yourselves here. Um, you'll have a chance to collect news from the area before traveling your way up the mountain. Uh, and have a chance to collect some some food and supplies from your own people if you need them. Uh, she says, we'll say goodbye to you here uh, and leave you so that they don't suspect these as, as orc lands, as Grim Hammer lands. Kapla. Um, so I'm saying bye to my dad, right? Yeah, and Craig kind of gives you, gives you a long look. He doesn't really, he like looks like maybe he wants to try to give you a hug, but he doesn't know if that's the right thing to do. Um, uh, so he sort of like reaches over and maybe like grabs your shoulder instead. Uh, and he says, um, go with Lorlef. And then I, I think what happens in this moment is I hadn't really processed yet because like I took it all in. I was a little drunk. My anger was replaced sort of by a little bit of pity and regret. Uh, pity for him for you know basically the story he told but also regret that like we didn't have all this time and then now all of a sudden I'm like wait a minute like you know in in, in primitive Grolo fashion I'm like wait a minute like we're saying bye like what the heck so um I don't react the way you would expect which is like the you know in the movie I would turn around and give him a hug or something this is Grolo and so he just kind of like just slaps his hand away and then just says the weirdest thing. So he goes, son, I like Lee Pies, but I don't know how I feel right now. I grab Grolo by his elbow and I say, Grolo, this might be the last time you see your father. Well, okay. I, I might lose my sight in a battle, perhaps, but whether that happens or not, I should probably, I should probably say bye. So I turn back to my father and I say, uh, my friend can sometimes see the future and seems like I might get my eyes injured. So I should probably say goodbye. And so I do this thing where like I, I raise my arms and I go, smack smack on his shoulders and it's like it's my version of a hug i go smack smack um I and he, see, he seems to pick up on it and he goes protect your eyes um they are important for battle um and then he does the same thing back to you uh and smacks, <laughs> your, <laughs> smacks your shoulders I, uh, I, he goes, my hand goes i shall do the same then i you know the apple doesn't fall far <laughs> 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 
um, but he, but he does the same thing back to you, and and uh, and there's a nod of of uh, appreciation al- along with the the, the ritual. Um, and then I think um, he and Cruddy kind of sneak off into the night, or not Cruddy, uh, Alyssa. Alyssa. Cruddy's here. Yeah, Cruddy's not here. Um, uh, uh, he and Cruddy sneak off into the night. Um, you said it. Yeah, wait. This is turning into a soap opera. <laughs> Cruddy shows up. Right here, out of the chances. <laughs> That's my Easy father. With, with, with this, this guy. It's Rollo Springer. Um, uh, Craig and Alyssa. Thank you. <laughs> make it off into the night, uh, leaving you to uh, make your introductions to this to this caravan of people. Um, how do you guys want to approach this? Um, it is a caravan of people. They look like they are having a lively time. They look like they're playing music and and. Singing and dancing. Oh, actually, uh, Shush, uh, roll me a history check. Oh, history is something I'm good at. Um, history. I got an 18 in history. All right. Uh, I'd say that's good enough. Uh, Shush, this is no ordinary caravan. Um, in this world, there are uh, these sort of traveling performers that go around. The performers play uh, plays and songs and poetry and tell stories um, and often like juggle. Um, it's a- essentially a circus troupe. Um, but in this world, the the they aren't seen as like necessarily. Uh, they're seen as a great a great boon to bring into your town, especially if they're a really trustworthy circus troupe. Um, especially if they're a really well-known one. Um, and this, Shush, is one of the most well-known ones. Uh, as you start to get closer to the caravans, you can see the, the cloth on the top of the, the carts um, has a very familiar logo. Um, it is the logo of the Blue Generals. Um, and the Blue Generals are one of the most well-known, well-respected uh, troops of performers that travel the lands uh, this is uh, uh, like unprecedented to come across uh, blue generals while you're while you're traveling out and about. Um, these are these are your people. These are do performers they, to the to do the they paint themselves blue. Um, they they don't. They wear uh, blue outfits. Um, actually, actually, they do paint themselves blue for certain performances. Uh, but they also are well known for these for these blue outfits um, and amazing stories of battles. Um, is part of the reason why they're well known as the Blue Generals is they they come up with these um, some sometimes made up but often based in truth in real battles that have happened in the past um, and a lot of the generals are well known for having once been uh, like um, uh, 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 people who who battled in wars and in, and in in different armies around the world but who are also performers and who came and joined the Blue Generals to tell their stories um, so it's it's like uh, very exciting to be around them because they're they're sometimes seen as heroes uh, from battles past certainly they tell the story that way um and also they're they're amazingly good performers they, they really hone their craft so they take people who have been in battle and they help teach them to tell their story that sounds like drama therapy this is drama therapy this is a drama therapy <laughs> well that's amazing these aren't my people <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the orcs wanted us to sort of divert this group of circus performers to from knowing that the orcs were here. Is that what I understood? They wanted the orcs didn't want to reveal themselves, um, but they thought this okay. was a good opportunity for the three of you to get some news from the world as well as like um, get some other supplies. The orcs didn't have a whole lot. Of, they had some like meat they could give you and stuff like that. But like 
uh, Thrain needed a new hammer, and they didn't have anything like that. And like you know, big war hammers and stuff like that. Nothing that was going to be super useful for Thrain. So any other supplies that you might need to get that the that the orcs couldn't really help you with from the orcs or from for or for, for the, the orcs or from, for ourselves for yourselves. Okay. Um, Gotcha. We're not like middleman, like, like, do you have a bunch of cattle for us to buy? No. Okay. Um, and basically the way the Grimhammer tribe said it makes it seem like the these humans, these these performers here, probably don't even know they're in Grimhammer tribe lands. Uh, the Grimhammer tribe tries to keep themselves secret and and hidden as much as possible. So they don't they don't they just don't want you to say anything like, Hey, we were just hanging out with these orcs who who hunt in these tribe lands. Uh, gotcha. they just don't want you to say anything like that. Um uh, and they'll basically just avoid these these travelers as they travel through the lands. Gotcha. Cool. So, what do you want to do here, Shush and Grolo? Let us don our uh, Moradin band uh, personas. It's a metaphor, uh, Grolo. Yay! Um, let us infiltrate. Get some information get some supplies before we head up into the mountains. I'm always in my Moradin persona. Good. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> it's not a character. All right. So right now all, yeah, the, uh, uh, all she, the caravans she, are in a big circle. Um, basically like to guard people out or animals. Uh, and there's lots of light on the inside of the of the caravans that are all sort of lined up in a circle. But you can easily go like in between the caravans. It's not a wall or anything. You just go in between the caravans um, and uh, make your way into where all the people are. Um, and you can smell their cooking stew and and uh, uh, chatting and and playing songs and singing. Let, Mostly, let's, let's make a splash by prancing in and singing a song. <laughs> Um, like, oh, we just happened to be walking by playing this awesome song kind of thing? I mean, it's non-threatening. That's true. As long as we're not singing the song about drinking blood or whatever. No. We'll be your backup, <laughs> we'll be your backup dancers and you can sing a jaunty, a jaunty tune. I will, um, I'll bust out, you know what? I actually have, technically, have bagpipes. Oh. Just want to bust out my bagpipes. bagpipes. <laughs> Everyone loves bagpipes. <laughs> You might want to let me dance for them. I think you should dance for them. Yeah. Do you guys? So, so are the two of you, <laughs> Grillo and Thrain, it's not like uh, Shush is going to play bagpipes. Grillo and Thrain, are you going to sing or are you going to play any music or are you just going to dance along with? Them I'm definitely going to sing and dance or sing and dance. Yeah. And I will kind of try to skip to my loo behind Grillo. <laughs> uh, awesome. Um, everybody give me, hmm, how do we want to do this? Shush. Uh, I think you're really enhancing this performance. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you, I think you guys are all doing this together. I really like the, the sound of this. Everybody roll me performance checks, but with advantage. Performance 19. Six and or uh, 13. And then what was it? What was it that I'm rolling? Plus zero. Oh, plus zero. So 13. Awesome. 13, 19. So I got a natural 20. Ooh. Whoa. With a plus seven. <laughs> wow. Awesome. On my performance. So my bagpipes are killing it. Uh, all right. Um, 
the three of you come chopping <laughs> in. Uh, I'm going to say, especially because because the rolls were all pretty good, you had a chance while you were in the Orc Tridelands to patch up and clean your your Moradin outfits a little bit. Uh, so they're like looking a little, you know, they're not bloody and muddy and, and torn up quite as much as they were before. They're looking a little more put together again. Uh, and you guys basically start coming in from the side. And there's people chatting and there's music playing. And there's actually, uh, they, they have like a full, like small standing band. Like there's a, there's like a, a guy drumming and, a, and a, uh, another fiddle player, um, Shush. And there's uh, uh, somebody playing like a full bass. Um, and they're they're having a, having a time kind of singing along. There's person a person singing as well, uh, but shush with a natural twenty, you perfectly maybe, maybe weave. Should, like, yeah, I should blend his song with this. <laughs> your your song on the bagpipes perfectly blends in with this three piece band <laughs> um, to the point where people don't notice you until you're like full on playing like like it's a it's a perfect blend where they think they're just listening to the music and then they're like hey wait a second there's like an extra instrument there and by that time the three of you are already like in the in the inner circle and shush this is when you like uh, uh play a little bit louder and you just take over the music and then you take it in a brand new direction and all the rest of the people in the band they all sort of like like slowly quiet and come to a stop as everyone stares at the three of you um, and then shoosh, you just, you just lay in, you are, you are just wailing. Um, and Thrain and, and, uh, uh, Grolo, the two of you are, are doing a great job. You're, you're really keeping up. Like Grolo, um, you are, uh, the, rah, rah, rah. get some real we lyrics. Love coming to in. do things together. Um, you, you don't have quite the rhythm problems with your lyrics as you do with your, <laughs> with your dancing. And so, uh, it's, it's actually like coming together pretty well with the, uh, with the bagpipes and Thrain, you are, you're like, like skip to my looing, uh, uh, right along with it. <laughs> um, and it's, it's really good. And you guys make it about halfway through the song. Like everybody just wrapped attention. Um, until finally somebody, uh, stands up and goes, Morden! Uh, and then everybody, everybody starts cheering, uh, and, and going along with it. And it's clear that, that, at some point, your exploits as a band have spread far enough uh, <laughs> that these guys, the Blue Generals, recognize you by your outfits uh, and by the, the three of you being who you are. Uh, and they are just <laughs> loving it. And after your song sort of start, comes to a close, uh, Shush, um, they start chanting. They start chanting for, um, uh, for Kumash Damoon. Uh, and they, they like clearly want you to play it. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you do you uh, 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 play the song to to go along with their request? I think I'm gonna play Kumash de Moon on the bagpipes. It's sort awesome. of a, this is like an acoustic set, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. like a, the bagpipe version of Kumash de Moon. Yeah, you can't get this one on the album. No, the album's just got the, the live only. I'm gonna pull out a couch and sit on a couch with like a little lamp on the bedside table. It's like a little slower, really intimate, sort of like a tiny like a desk little... concert. Wool yeah. sweater, the cardigan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Eric Clapton's Layla, but like exactly. way, way slow and jazzy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm going. Wait, was it Kumash the Moon or what? What is yeah. it? Yeah. I'm like Kumash the Kumash, Kumash, Kumash the Moon. <laughs> and and Thrain, are you also adding in your pyrotechnics and stuff and your? 
Um, I am taking the, my haft and like <laughs> against one of the drums on the stage in this like, you know, mournful manner. <laughs> um, they, they are loving it. They are absolutely <laughs> like, like uh, some of them are sort of singing along. Nobody really knows the words. It's literally like an ancient, <laughs> an ancient Orgish uh, tr- tribal ceremony. So there's sort of like, it's got like a chorus. And they kind of like sing along to the chorus uh, as it comes together. Um, and uh, you manage to make it, make it through this. Uh, and they are absolutely just thrilled, just absolutely thrilled to have the three of you here. Um, and the, the leader of the, the Blue Generals kind of comes forward and, and goes, um, uh, who would have thought that in the middle of the forest, in the middle of nowhere, we'd be blessed with the, with the might and sound of Moradin? Uh, and he like clasps uh, uh, Shush. He kind of comes up to you as the, as the bagpipe player in this case. And, and like, yeah. Uh, uh, and um, Shush, I think you're a, 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 a traveled performer enough to know like um, some of the customs of, of these kind of traveling performers. Um, and it is definitely like a warm and welcoming uh, uh, handshake. Uh, I do the he, second part of the handshake where we put our feet together and then hop and then around. You do, you do the hop. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and he, he like is right there with you. Um, and then he says, uh, uh, please, please, um, we've, we've um, uh, uh, bread and water to share. And shoosh, you know this is a code. Um, this is a code that means uh, uh, we, we want to make sure you're trustworthy, that you're really one of us. Um, so and, I know that that means that we also have to share bread and water back with them. Right. Uh, so I don't know that. No, you guys, you guys don't, don't know. Uh, you actually have to turn down his bread and water and offer your own. That's the, but that's the, but I'm, I don't know that, right? So I'm, no. I probably start like, oh, don't mind if I do. Um, Shush, what do you what do you do there? I pull on his ear. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I, I mind if I do. I I mean. <laughs> and what do you say, Shush? Um, no, no. We've got some bread and water for you. Um, and he he kind of nods and he says, uh, "Then then it is to be wine and stew then." Uh, and he he shakes your hand, and you you know that's that's the signal to know you're you're welcome. It's it's, it's uh, now now he's made you an offer of something much better than bread and water, um, and uh, and you guys have a chance to to uh, really integrate yourself with these with these guys. Um, I uh, I tap Shush on the shoulder and I give him a wink and I say, you know all this group stuff it's a little dreary i mean we could just go full-time band with moradin just i think (laughs) i think we should first step save the world second step rock band okay all right priorities you're right yes no no uh no meaning no need to rock if there's not a world to rock why is it not been said And um, I, I come in, I see you guys kind of like whispering to each other and I, and I come in and I'm like, Ugh, are you guys thinking what I'm thinking? Because yes, I could go solo. It would probably be good for me and probably all of us, but we probably should stay to the plan. Yeah. Good. Thank you. <laughs> That's cool. Um, the offer is, uh, it's, it's not an offer of dreams. Uh, the, 
Troop actually does offer you to stick around uh, and to be a part of the Blue Generals, to travel with them to a town or two and, uh, and perform some of your songs. You really get the name of, of Morden out there. Um, and it is a very tempting offer. They have a lot of very comfortable carts. They even have a, a place where you could stay uh, while traveling with them, like an empty cart they could, they could give you to rest in. Um, I think it's important to save face here and be like, actually, I've got some other things going on. <laughs> You're going to play you know? the, the, like, I'm, I'm a little too popular <laughs> yeah. to sign on with your name. I don't know. I, I, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Kind of doing an independent thing, you know? <laughs> don't anyone telling us how to make our music. <laughs> you know? Um, the, the leader of the generals is, is, uh, uh, nods and smirks and, and gives you lots of space, uh, and says, if you ever, if you ever change your mind, he hands you like a sly business card. <laughs> uh, I, I do the thing, even though this is not really what Shush wants to do, where he like looks at it and grabs it and pretends that it's a secret between the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you're, you're being offered the sign on. Right. Yeah. Not the rest of your band. Um, uh, you also learn some extra information while you're here. Uh, you learn that, uh, that the troop has been traveling around and they have news of different places. Um, you learn that uh, the orcs have actually stopped um, invading all these areas um, up north. There actually used to be all these like orc raids and, and things like that. And, and, uh, um, a lot of people are attributing that to the king's um, uh, like reinforcements up in those areas, uh, but apparently the raids have have a hundred percent just stopped. There's no raids that are happening uh, up north anymore. There are no raids that are happening on on any of the the towns throughout the kingdom. Um, you also learn something else really interesting. Apparently, um, the the city of Pahija, um has uh, opened up an opportunity, sort of an unprecedented opportunity, to allow orcs to gain citizenship. Um, it's uh, apparently a like diplomatic move on behalf of uh, um, the king that he's offering it. Um, and there's a lot of people saying that it was heavily advised by Lord Blancmere, uh, who is making a specific day uh, coming up in just a week and a half uh, where uh, any orc is allowed to come into the city uh, and they, they will be celebrated and offered a, a kinship and, and then uh, given an opportunity to, to um, gain uh, passes and, and, and basically passports uh, to be able to gain access to the city as a way of showing like uh, peace and gratitude to, to all the orcs. Um, as you're learning this information, uh, uh, Thrain, you know the day that has been selected is also the day uh, for all of the ceremonies. It's the same day that, uh, that the orcs of Grubsh uh, are clearly planning to invade. There's no way this is a coincidence. This is, this is all gonna be tied together. Oh boy. It's a how trap. Much, <laughs> how much time do we have? Uh, a week and a half. Oh, geez. Not um, enough time to go perform a couple of shows. Not enough time to go perform a couple of shows. All right. I guess we'll have to save the world first. How far away are we from Pahia? Do we know? Um, you're probably about, if you can get a, you know, a, a cart if you're on foot, you're probably a solid week from, from Pahia. But um, if you can get a cart and some horses or something along those lines, you're, you're maybe only a few days away. Especially um, 
uh, if you take the traveled roads, you basically, uh, which way it makes sense. You basically, uh, Bahia is, is over here and there's like a, all, all water on this side of Bahia. And then you traveled over here to get to the swamps uh, to the east. Um, and that's where you got to the swamps and then you escaped the swamps to the north. Um, and that's where you currently are is kind of further up north. Uh, so once you travel up into the mountains, if you want to come back down, it's pretty easy to sort of uh, uh, make your way just sort of back down south and uh, west to make your way back to Bahia. Okay. Um, that being said, um, you have a nice night uh, the rest of the evening, mostly like hanging out and drinking with the Blue Generals. And it sounds like you guys are, are headed up the mountain after that. Yes. Yep. Perfect. And um, I, uh, does there seem to be an, an armory or anyone with a good looking hammer? Oh yeah, that's, that's a, a great question. So uh, does anybody else want any specific supplies? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to remember, didn't I at some point lose my, my, uh, mall, Blinch, my, oh, my mall, did I throw my mall and lose it? Can't remember. Um, there is an opportunity here. The the generals are not they're not a weaponsmith or anything like that, but they definitely have some supplies, uh, including you know. Uh, I think you can find. Are you looking for a crafting hammer or a war hammer, uh, Thrain? I'm looking for a war hammer. A war hammer. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think they would have like a really basic one. It's not as nice as the one you used to have. Yeah. Um, but it is. It is, you know, it'll it'll do in a pinch, um, and I also think that they have like a sledgehammer, uh, Grolo, that you can totally like pick up. It's like designed as a not. It's not a, uh, uh, it's not a mall. It's a sledgehammer. Um, okay. But again, it'll do in a pinch. Yeah, because I don't remember exactly, but I think when we got taken in and stuff, like I, I don't think I have my mall. Hmm. It sounds familiar. I think there was something about that. Um, shush. Uh, the leader of the Blue Generals is a little, um, he wishes you would come with. But he makes you an offer, uh, just as, a, as like a sign of good friendship, um, that he offers you his um, bow for, the, for his fiddle. Um, and it's a very high quality bow uh, that, that you, you can play uh, with your fiddle. It's a super, super nice bow. Um, when you play uh, Bardic Inspiration uh, with your fiddle using this bow, um, you uh, can add an extra plus one to all the Bardic Inspiration rolls. So just a static bonus to, to anybody who uses your Bardic Inspiration rolls. That's beautiful. You guys start making your way up into the mountains. The mountains are cold. You've had a lot of opportunity now to have several days where you've, you've gotten lots of rest, where you've, you've uh, been around friendly faces, and now it's once again just the three of you uh, traveling your way up into the mountains, uh, and it starts to get colder and colder. And before long, you are trudging through snow, um, traveling up into the mountains. Um, and Thrain, uh, as you're like, the, there's there's a snow coming down in front of you and you're cold and you're basically just trying to do everything to stay warm. Uh, you can hear uh, something almost like a, like a whispering uh, pulling you forward. Um, and it's driving you, Thrain. It's, it's really like um, you're, you're reminded of like the hardship from your youth uh, making your way up the stone path 
uh, and being driven by by Moradin giving you strength and speed, uh, and and that's exactly what you're sort of experiencing here. There's like a feeling of driving forward. Actually, to the extent that Shush and Grolo, you're kind of having a hard time keeping up with with Thrain. It's not the speed so much as the the endurance, the the like wow. like driving force that that Thrain is showing as he's as he's um, trudging his way through this snow. Um, and you make yourself your way into a wide field, um, and there at the end of the the wide field, you can see there's the cave that you are looking for. Um, and as you start to uh, um, go down into the cave, you can see uh, Thrain that there are um, carvings and marks on the walls, um, almost like the the um, carvings and marks of of some kind of creature, a burrowing creature, but into the stone itself. Um, and uh, there, nearby the entrance to the cave, frozen solid, um, are the, the remains of uh, what appear to be uh, like half a shield, uh, cut in half uh, by something powerful. Um, and it is clearly uh, the, the symbol of the Balden clan. Um, they're sort of laying against the wall. Uh, but no body. No uh, people, only this half a shield to, to mark the, the entrance and the, the uh, location of the plant here. Can we do uh, a nature maybe. check to see if we know what animal it is? Yeah. Um, everybody give me uh, a nature check. Strain, you can do it with advantage because it's stone. Berto, you're a minus one. Eleven. Uh, Sixteen. I got a five. Um, uh, I'll say, shush, you don't, you don't know what kind of animal could do this. Um, you've seen burrowing animals, but nothing in stone before. Grolo, uh, you're in a similar place. Uh, you've heard of maybe some creatures, but nothing they could do it on this scale. This is a huge cave opening. You can see claw marks, uh, and, uh, uh, uh like burrowed into the stone itself. Um, Therain, you've heard of this kind of thing, but never seen it. A bullet. Um, no, not a bullet. Um, this is, although good, really good guess. Um, no, uh, not a bullet. Uh, this is a kind of um, bug creature, um, but huge. Uh, and they can burrow into, into stone, and they can burrow into uh, uh, ground, uh, and they are highly dangerous. And um, if they are infested here, uh, you're going to have to be very careful coming into this place. What do you um, mean, like, careful? Uh, meaning that they travel in in uh, huge um, hives, uh, and if they have burrowed their way into here, that means that this may be a hive uh, for these creatures. And we're going to name these gigantic? kinds of creatures. Are they yeah, huge? okay. They're like they're like the size of horses. Okay. I, before um, we name it, I say, uh, looks like some sort of bear. Yes, it is kind of like a bear, but it burrows into stone. And will eat your bones like it's water. Yikes! Who eats, who eats water? <laughs> <laughs> it's Strange a metaphor. <laughs> Actually, it's a simile, but you know. <laughs> um, uh, Kirk, will you give me uh, the first letter of these creatures' names? Uh, B. 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 Roberto, uh, will you give me the second letter? A. Adam. D. 
Oh no. Uh, okay, Kirk. Um, <laughs> these things I, are bad. Yeah, I. They're, They're baddies. They're baddies. <laughs> K. Adam. Oh. Oh, that's good. It's very, um, uh, it's very Japanese sounding. It does sound kind of Japanese. Um, uh, cool. I think we'll go with that. Uh, these are called Badiko. Yikes. Um, and they are uh, rare, but really dangerous. The reason that you know about them, Thring, is that this is not the first um, like dwarf town to become infested with Badiko. Uh, you have heard of other towns, especially from mountain dwarves, uh, that these these bugs come in, and if you can't get rid of them fast enough, uh, they will they can easily wipe out a town. It's the flood. Uh, yeah, uh, very very dangerous. And the fact that there's all these claw marks on the on the walls of this cave uh, make you um, definitely nervous coming into here. Do I know any exploits of this creature? Um, you know only the stories that you've heard because you've never seen one. Uh, supposedly people say that they are as big as a horse, um, but uh, because you've never seen one, the stories vary quite a bit. Lots of people say they aren't really that big. There's just lots of them. They're small. Um, some people say that they uh, spit acid, uh, and some people say that's not, not really true. The one thing that is true is that apparently their, their carapaces are really hard. Um, but if you can get through the carapace, the, they're, they're reasonably easy to take out. Um, uh, most of the time when people talk about the infections, the, the, the infestations of these, they're talking about like small ones. They're like the size of small crabs. Um, and, uh, and if you can get rid of them at that stage, no worries whatsoever. Um, the problem is if they grow too big, uh, then, they, then they become a real problem. Okay, boy. There are um, small ones and there are large ones. Some say they spit acid, but, ah. but they can be as big as a horse or as small as a spider. And I will make leaf pies out of these creatures. I don't know if it's if safe to eat them, but uh, if you're talking metaphorically, then absolutely. <laughs> um, you make your way further down into the cave seeing only signs of the, the creatures, the same kind of uh, carvings into the walls. Um, and before long, uh, Thrain, you start to notice some dwarven architecture in some of the cave, cave stuff here. Um, oh, and you're mine. A- um, you're able to, to follow some of the architecture down into uh, some of the other parts of caves. Dwarves build commonly enough in similar ways that you can uh, use your experience to figure out like which direction should you go to make your way to town center. They're going to have a Moradin temple or something along those lines that's going to be in the center of town somewhere um and so you do you make your way down and eventually you're able to to find a small opening because it looks like a lot of the cave has collapsed um but the small opening is big enough it's big enough for you for each of you to be able to get through um but it's only about you know five feet by five feet so grolo really has to kind of duck down to uh, to get through it. Um, and as you come out the other side of the small opening, there's a long hall uh, that is basically like the main street path. And there are lots of um, the remnants of buildings on either side of the, the main street path that you have coming, da- coming in. Um, and you can see down at the very end of this, of this path, um, Thrain, uh, there is the steps up towards a, uh, a building that also seems half intact. 
And this building has columns that, that look like they are, are um, well-carved and uh, um, uh, have filigree and writing all, all along the columns. And there, just beyond the columns on a pedestal, is an old rusty hammer. Um, it does not look like the, the hammer from your visions. It's old and rusty, uh, and it's sort of sitting there kind of haphazardly on this pedestal. Um, and then you guys start to hear a skittering noise coming from the walls. Was that your stomach, shush? Uh, I look, we look, I go, you know, do we have a light source or anything? Oh, um, uh, strangely, um, uh, you, well, you can see in the dark. Yeah. Um, I, I think well, I guess I'll I have good, I, I have think good all of you can see in the dark, right? Anything. Yeah, we don't need light source. Um, so, so you have no problem seeing in this in this cave, and it's about, we'll say it's it's there is a little bit of light here, kind of leaking into the cave from from uh, uh, cracks in different places. Uh, you can see it's it's maybe a hundred feet away to get to this to this rusty hammer, um, uh, and it's mostly a straight path, but there is uh, this skittering sound that's sort of picking up in the walls, and actually. I think that's where we're going to end the, the campaign for. Oh, what a cliffhanger. Ah, they're coming. Man, I was just pulling up my character sheet and getting all my spells ready. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so uh, with that, with the, the sort of ending there. Sounds like we're um, starting with a battle next time. Uh, was, we'll probably end up starting with some kind of battle or something along those lines the next time we, that we meet back up again. Burrowing um, cave horses. Uh, and I want to... Um, uh, take a moment and we'll do a uh, spotlight, I guess, for for someone else in the game. So what is something that somebody else did that you really appreciated or uh, that you felt like enhanced the game for you? Uh, who wants to start us off? Well, I will. So as always, when Grolo has a role-playing moment, I always appreciate it. Um, there's just so many different um, layers to Umberto's character, uh, Grolo, that um, uh, I enjoy as a story experiencing element. He's very uh, metaphorical that way. <laughs> well, and it would just be so easy. I don't know. Like the, the, con- the sort of layers to the emotionality of your care of your character was interesting. You know, you could have been more overt or more obvious or more typical or something, but you know, you, I think you were truly in your character of just like, I'm confused and I'm insecure and I don't know what to do. And so I'm just going to do this weird thing. <laughs> and um, so I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting, this whole storyline with the father ever since it began has been pretty, um, pretty interesting. I've ne- I can say I've never had a D and D like a story element like that before. Um, also, obviously, you know, you dungeon master, um, uh, you know, again, I've never had a d and D game where I was honestly like more excited about some stupid side quest of a band that we like randomly created as a ruse. Um, there's something about the way you tell a story that just makes it like, like honestly, like um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like I'm personally gratified by my character's performance banging on that drum soulfully. You know? um, so uh so yeah and you know of course you you're awesome too and the the uh kind of creativity that you bring to the character and and in terms of the performance and all that like uh, in the same way you know based on the past of your vulnerability of your character and how your character wants to be accepted and 
So that's consistent, you know, and so me and Thrain both feel great when you get that kind of accolade, which is kind of cool. Anyway, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I was going to say the, so in many cases, uh, there's these little moments that I think are just so, so neat. Uh, there was a moment where Shush, you did the thing where you just said, oh, he's handing me the business card. And I just kind of like look at him and we kind of like, I wink, you know, as if like that little moment was so, <laughs> it was like funny. And um, I could totally see your character like being there. Um, so that, that was neat. Cause part of the thing is that I like moments that where I can picture what the movie frames would be like that moment. And so that was one of them. Um, and, uh, I really liked the exchange between Thrain and the, uh, elderly woman. What I forgot what her name was. Um, cause, yeah. Cause it was like this, like it was another, again, another scene in the movie. It's like, you know, the moment where Luke is talking pretty seriously with Yoda and Yoda's like, you know, trying to give him advice. Um, and uh, it, it was, it was neat. <laughs> um, just to, just to uh, build on that, Adam, Adam and I talk a lot about um, good role play and scenes. And I, I absolutely totally think of scenes when I'm trying to describe stuff and, and lead stuff in, in a Dungeons and Dragons game, exactly like a movie. I want, I want scenes that, that string together, that pull together like a movie. I want combat scenes that are like good combat scenes in movies um, and role play scenes that do the same thing. And Adam and I have talked quite a bit about like what makes a role play scene a worthwhile scene. And that's when it reveals or when it resolves something. So every scene that that there's some role play needs to have some kind of reveal. It either needs to, to bring in some new information or it needs to resolve something that's happening between uh, characters or happening for characters. So I really try to make sure in every scene, even even scenes that you play with each other, that you are encouraged towards revealing or resolving something. Well, and in that scene in particular, what was interesting is that I kept seeing how it would be filmed because you could the tent was like open, so you could see the antics that were happening. Kind of like you know how like good comedy movies like they have funny stuff happening in the background when serious stuff is happening. So that was it. Yeah. Cause like you'd see it pan over and then girl is falling over. And then, <laughs> and then in the meantime, you're having like the serious conversation. It's just, yeah. <laughs> it was great. That's, that's exactly how I was picturing it too. I love, I love that you got the same place. Um, my spotlights um, for Roberto to what I was like, what is a Lipe? And you weren't like, Oh, it's like a, it's like an empanada. Um, <laughs> you described that, that Lipe with such detail. That I like literally got really hungry just thinking about it. So I would love it if if we have any any listeners who are you know bakers, we can throw a recipe together. Oh my god! I would That'd love to incredible. make an actual leap high. Maybe, maybe not with the bones. Maybe hold the bones a little. Bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, you gotta have the bones, man. You gotta have the bones. <laughs> there, but All just right. the bones you can crunch on. Maybe you could just put in some like uncooked carrot sticks or something like that. <laughs> put them oh, in there. Get vegan a real rice? crunch, a bone-like crunch. Right. <laughs> Maybe some some pasta, like some al dente pasta. Yeah, some al dente that, pasta for that cartilagey feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that was that really like uh, created the 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 backstory of the world. Like these lepies, it had been a recurring once again, like this like random yeah. thing that showed up in our game early session like it's been a recurring phenomenon these lepies and they just get more and more delicious sounding every time because at first it was like there's dirt in them and they're hot but now it's like vision they were like a apple pie for some reason i don't know why 
Yeah, I, I always kind of pictured a pot pie. So it's, it's nice to have a new oh, image. Oh, yeah. They, I was basing a little bit. So in Colombia, there's all sorts of different empanadas, which are basically wrapped, you know, meats and all sorts of other stuff wrapped in like this fried pastries. Um, and one of the types of empanadas is similar in that it is kind of like folded over like that. So I was kind of like picturing that a bit. Um, yeah. I also have this this real desire for uh, for you and Alberto to eat spicy food together. We've and so trying to do this. Th- that whole I know, and then coronavirus messed Corona up our plan. Our but food. but I I was like had a lot of of you know narrative transference with Shush eating the lipies with you. So that was that was, <laughs> that was yes. particularly like I was getting a lot of vicarious uh, joy out of my character doing that. I love it. Um, but I also, uh, Kirk, wanted to spotlight when, when I don't know if it was you or Thrain that said it, but you were like, what if we just, you know, take the band out and really make it a thing. <laughs> yes. I don't know if that was Thrain or if that was Kirk, but that was <laughs> I, um, I really like seeing Thrain's evolution from like being all about business and warden and saving the world as a priest to like, you know, that sorrowful drum playing. Um, he's, he's finding his art, his artistic side. Um, it was a great moment because I'm enjoying that. First of all, it was very realistic in a way because you would in such a dire situation. And after you've almost been killed and you lost your hammer and all, you almost could see it. Like, what if we just ran away and did this funner thing, you know? And, uh, it was, it was a beautiful turn because normally it's Thrain that would have been trying to you know, because you and I, like Rolo and Shush might have been the ones going like, let's just go into, and Thrain would have been like the voice of reason. And this time it flipped, right? He was like, what if we just did this? And then Shush was like, in, in kind of the Shush sort of way, like, because he was, it wasn't like Shush was reprimanding him. for It was just more like, ah, well, as you know, first comes work, then comes flesh. <laughs> um, it was great. It was a great moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I really enjoyed that. Actually, um, uh, you guys all did spectacular role playing today, but the spotlight I was going to give was specifically to Kirk for that moment, for the same moment of like, I really like the idea that like um, Thrain's, Thrain's playing with the like, maybe I can, maybe I don't have to like always be saving the world. Like maybe I can enjoy some stuff a little bit. And this, this pulls on the idea of like Thrain being like wanting to settle down a little bit and, and like, maybe that that goal is is almost like out of his grasp uh because because adventuring is so much a part of of who he is and and the the work that he does but i I liked that moment because it really spoke to that idea of like train really like being tempted uh to like maybe someone else can save the world (laughs) maybe i could just go and like play music and 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 go off with the band that sounds pretty nice too i could have even seen again thinking of a movie uh, you, I could have even seen a scene very much like that playing out where Thrain brings it up and then Grolo gets excited about the idea. It's like, yeah, totally. We could like, and then as Grolo is describing it, you see both Thrain's sort of like, kind of like the sadness kind of creep in because he kind of knows. And then Shush brings in like his little witty, like, oh, first comes work. And then like, it all kind of dies down, you know, and the, the melody picks up the, the sadness. And uh, I, I can yeah. I can almost imagine the moment where like, uh, Grillo's like, uh, just wait. We get big enough that we go back to Pakiha, and then everybody really, really knows us. And then it's like that—that's yeah. the moment where you like remember that there might not be yes. <laughs> the city yeah, might I, not be there anymore if you're spending your time doing this. Uh, yeah, I can totally see that. 
<laughs> Good stuff. Now, uh, to point out for people who are still watching, you must be fans of this. Um, as I always say, uh, dungeon mastering is a is an art form, and it's hard to do. And Adam Johns uh, exemplifies that. And if you're interested in doing this kind of work, or you are doing this kind of work with your clients and, and people, um, notice how Adam Johns gets us all interested in the characters. He has those initial exercises up front that kind of gets us into the character. And, um, and if we, the three of us were clients and we were having trouble with self-esteem or with, uh, expression or even emotional regulation, or even just like achieving something that, that you know, that the feeling of achievement together, you know, and, the uh, the play and the enjoyment of that. Um, this might be the the shining moment of our week where we can actually get in touch with ourselves and our friends and feel good about ourselves, feel agency, feel worth it, feel likable, feel needed, and how much that would help one's self esteem in a way that talk therapy about hey you should have self esteem doesn't really do it so. Um, you know, that's why we're demonstrating this is, is if you could imagine the power of this model, because it's fun, people are dying to do it. You know what I mean? And, and young adults, teenagers, that's all they want to do is they want to do this all, all day long. And um, lo and behold, it actually helps them as well in a very powerful way. But the dungeon master has to be very uh, purposeful about the way he does it. You can't just play Dungeons and Dragons. I've played Dungeons and Dragons with uh, dozens of dungeon masters and Adam Johns is a very particular dungeon master. He's very atypical. Like it's a very strange version, which coincidentally is the funnest Dungeons and Dragons game I've ever played while also being like the most therapeutic in this weird way. Cause you think, Oh, therapy Dungeons and dragons. It must be boring. And it's like, it's not, I mean, for you Dungeons and dragons people out there, we're still third level. Now, <laughs> To Birdo, he doesn't care. We started third level a year and a half ago. Uh, we have not, we have not leveled up. Um, I, you know, if you've played World of Warcraft or you know whatever sort of other games, you understand like leveling up is a big part of RPG. We're not. It's it's totally like irrelevant to to like the enjoyment of this game. Um, and I kind of like being third level because it. I don't know. It just it just keeps you vulnerable and humble but you're not so vulnerable and humble as a as a first level character and it just doesn't even enter the brain you know and because the story is interesting and i'm i'm curious about you know our new band called moradin like right this is why dungeons and dragons was created the rules are just in facilitation of this sort of thing for the the storyteller the george rr R. martins who incidentally was a, and is a dungeon master you create a story that's interesting and compelling and you know you don't care about about the rules and so if you're doing this and you want to do this um you have to really pay attention to what adam johns is doing it's a very specific way of approaching it um and a set of skills that he's developed over a long period of time he makes it look easy but as a dungeon master myself it is very hard to do what he's doing awesome if you'd like to learn more you can go to game to grow.org newsletter and we'll announce our training program 
That's true. We also right. do consultations. So if you are interested in, in uh, uh, learning how to do this as a methodology for, for therapy, uh, feel free to hit up the website at gamegrow.org and, and uh, uh, finally contact us and let us know that you're interested in a, in a consultation. We're always happy to, to help walk people through, especially getting started um, and getting their own groups, therapeutic Dungeons and Dragons groups started. And in yeah. the midst of COVID, we're actually working on some webinars. So make sure to join the newsletter and you can learn more about that there. Yeah, this is totally serious. People around the world are hiring these guys to teach them how to do this. And they are now doing it with their people. And, and also, if you're in the Seattle area and you have a young adult or a teenager who might benefit from this, contact game to grow and you might be able to enter one of these, one of these groups with one of these uh, dungeon masters or with the dungeon masters that these two have personally you know, hands-on trained and are not as good because there's no way they could be as good, but, but as better than any other sort of therapeutic game master out there. Um, I could say that because I'm not, because uh, that's, that's not a scientific statement. <laughs> but, uh, um, and, you know, seriously, like a lot of half of our listeners are clinicians. If you're you can even do this in individual therapy, by the way, or you can incorporate the, the sort of, uh, you know, principles. If you're a individual therapist that works with 13 year olds, who don't want to be in therapy or you're finding it hard to come up with stuff to do. You can play one on one Dungeons and Dragons. That's one of my favorite ways to play D&D, actually, because the player gets to do everything, you know, and you only have one player that you have to kind of monitor. And so, uh, but again, it takes a certain skill and we have a, uh, tool, a box set, if you will, that walks you through it's, it's, you know, it's, it's sheets of paper and you follow the steps and people can go to criticalcore.org to, uh, sign up for how to get that. It's being released very soon. Um, even by the time you hear this, which, you know, could be years from now, it might already be out depending on, on how things are going. And that was personally developed by Adam and Adam based on years and years of doing this model, specifically designed to help people like you who are just starting out and don't have it all in their head the way Adam and Adam do. It's like, it helps you, it gives you something to follow. Now you can't just buy that and know what to do. You still got to uh, follow, you know, what these guys have to offer in terms of training, but, uh, but it is a tool that can be very helpful and it's cool. It's got cool art and it's it's a very exciting project that uh, we've been working on for a long time it's been very frustrating uh the process of production and and we won't get into it but uh what a product that that we're really quite proud of so uh anything else adam and adam no i think that's good so grolo take us out well we uh danced we sang at least i danced anyways and we got some great leap eyes. But now we're going to get some bugs on our faces. And that's what life is really all about. Because you deserve it. 